Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, Walk by the Foo Fighters gets us going here on yet another edition of the ET Considers Everything podcast for the weekend of Friday, November 18th, 2022, my older brother Matt's 33rd birthday to Sunday, November 20th, 2022. Very fun show for you all this week, getting set to start it with Wishing my older brother Matt a very happy 33rd birthday and discussing a lot of the great things that we've got to do in our life together. You know, Matt and I have had a very special bond as we've grown older, especially from our late teenage years all the way to the ages that we are now. I'm 31. Matt turns 33 this upcoming Friday. November the 18th, and to have had Matt as my older brother is something that is very special to me. take a lot of pride in that because Matt has always wanted the very best for me, not only for, you you know, the relationship that we have as brothers, but for my life in general. And we've always been there to help one another out. You know, I've been there for him. He's been there for me. And it's such a special bond to have with Matt as he turns 33 now. You know, I think it's very ironic that uh, throughout much of the last four months, I was Jordan's favorite number and age. That's basically, that's our older cousin, Jordan, who's basically like an older brother to Matt and I. Matt was my favorite number in age, and Jordan was Matt's favorite number in age. I think that's a cool thing for those four months that we got to have and experience that. And I'm thankful for things like that that I find ironic and really enjoy. As I mentioned before, without my older brother Matt being there to push me on, wanting the best for me, and, you know, truly being there for me in that last year plus of college that he wasn't there, and, you know, I had to go to campus a lot of days on my own and achieve my degree, but I did, and Matt helped me through those days a lot. And I thank him so very much for that. You know, as I've got the opportunity to move on in life since earning my bachelor's degree in communication from UVA Wise, I've been blessed to be a seasonal worker covering high school football for Valley Broadcasting through 93.5 WAXM with the five-star scoreboard show each Friday night after our Game of the Week coverage. It's been one of my biggest blessings in my life to have held down down that job for eight years full-time, nine years overall. I done it part-time in 2013 as well. And getting to meet so many great people down there at WAXM has been an honor. And then for the past Four plus years I've been a volunteer assistant with UVA Wise Athletics through the Sports Information Office and I've got to 
be at, attend, and enjoy all of our home sporting events, football, men's and women's basketball, softball, baseball, lacrosse, all of the wonderful team sports. I'm very thankful for that. One of the memories that I, I think fondly of with Matt and I um, is one of the experiences that I got to share with uh, not only the sports information crew but with my older brother Matt. It was Kids Day 2019 and we hosted Ohio Chili Coffee I believe that day for Kids Day and I told Matt I said Matt you know you don't have to work on Kids Day why don't you come and watch it with with me and uh, you'll get to experience what I get to do on a game day. Matt said, I'd love to. I said, okay. So we had to get up early and go, and that's not a problem because Matt gets up early for work most of the time anyway. He did back then anyway. And uh, we get to campus, and he sees Daryl's teams on the board in Daryl's office. And he said, you know, brother, I think we need to create our own teams together. I said, okay. So we created our teams and had a good time doing that. And we have them on uh, Daryl's big board in the office there. And we're proud of those. You know, um, we each looked up, you know, the, the best players from each league, American League, National League. Uh, Eastern Conference, Western Conference for basketball, for NBA basketball, and for hockey, and for football, we we done a combined effort on that too, and we had so much fun putting that on the board that morning, writing it down in my sports notebook that way I could have it, and then writing it up on the big board, and you know Daryl has never erased that; he's kept that up on the wall, and. I appreciate that so much because whenever I go into the office, I'm thankful to look at that and to remember those good times that Matt and I had. Matt told me, he said, you know, brother, the most amazing thing about days like this where you have kids day in the building is just the atmosphere in the arena. And he's right. The atmosphere was amazing that day. The kids loved it. Matt said the biggest part of the atmosphere of that day was our PA announcer, Chris Davis. And I agree with Matt because Chris is such an important part. Being the voice, PA voice of the Cavaliers is a big time duty. You know, he does it for football, does it for men's and women's basketball as well. I do it for the spring sports, football, or baseball, softball, and lacrosse sometimes. Chris has took over back some now for doing lacrosse, but uh, I really enjoy that. And he said, uh, that's the thing that I take a lot of pride in the most. And he told me, he said, if there was ever a man for you to patent your style of broadcasting or PA announcing, it needs to be Chris Davis. And I said, you know, Matt, Chris is somebody that I have a lot of respect for. 
Um, Chris is somebody that truly and quite frankly I have a lot of love for because he juggles so many things on that campus within that prior center. And, you know, those grounds to and from the prior center as well. You know, Carl Smith Stadium, he does a lot of events at. He juggles a lot of hats, but he takes care of all of them in style. And I told Matt, I said, that's who I'm going to pattern my UVA-wise life by moving forward is Chris Davis because that's a guy that I have a lot of respect for. That's a guy I have a lot of love for and a guy that I truly appreciate so very much on that campus. And when Matt said that, that meant a lot too. So Kids Day 2019 definitely was a great experience for us. Um, one of the last events we got to enjoy together before Matt became a father. And that was always a blessing. You know, Matt and I have a great bond through watching professional wrestling as well. He was always a WCW and early TNA Impact fan. I was, for the most part, a WWF slash Ruthless Aggression era WWE fan. And we had our discussions. But, you know, one thing we took a lot of pride in was watching pay-per-views together. And the best experience that I have of that is begging mom when I was about to turn 20. I said, Mom, there's a pay-per-view tonight. It means a lot if I could get it. And I would really enjoy watching it. Seeing Punk's fighting for the title and he might have to leave WWE. Mom said, I th I'll think about it. When I got back home, my older brother Matt decided to join me and begging for the pay-per-view. And Mom said, all right, all right, this is for your birthday. I'll get it for you. And me and Matt were both so happy. That Money in the Bank 2011 has a lot of uh, fond memories for me. You know, Daniel Bryan winning that SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match was a big-time deal. Uh, Berto Del Rio... Winning the Raw Money in the Bank ladder match, I thought Mysterio should have won it, but I understand why they gave it to Del Rio at that point. Uh, Christian getting himself disqualified, or Randy Orton getting himself disqualified, Christian winning the world title, that meant a lot. And CM Punk ultimately defeating John Cena in an instant classic of a match to become WWE champion for the first time. He had already been a three-time world champion to that point. But I believe that truly solidified his WWE career when he won that WWE championship from John Cena. And the look that Matt and I had together after that three count took place and Punk won was something I just wish people could have been in the room for. Because Matt and I were both were shocked that it happened. Not so much that Punk had won, but in that manner. You know, Cena had, you know, not decided to take the easy way out. He said, a man's going to win this fight, and you have to give him a chance to win. Cena done that by stopping John Laurinaitis, punching him out on the way to ring the, the bell for the match. Cena gets back in the ring. Punk hits a GTS for the three count, one, two, three in the middle. 
and CM Punk is your new WWE Champion to end Money in the Bank 2011. Matt and I had so much fun watching that pay-per-view and really was one of the best pay-per-views that we ever watched together. And I love looking back on those memories with me and him either watching wrestling or watching sports and having a good time. Matt likes to poke fun at me, but he does it in a loving way through our sports teams. You know, another big-time rivalry that is not there anymore that I wish still was was the rivalry between the Colorado Avalanche and the Detroit Red Wings. You know, he was a huge Detroit Red Wings fan. I was always a huge Colorado Avalanche fan. You know, Colorado winning the Stanley Cup last year, and Matt texted me that to let me know, meant a lot to me as well. Because, you know, as I've told you all throughout the last uh, year, we've not had... Um, cable or internet here at the house and we have enjoyed it you know it's been a nice break um, and we look forward to maybe getting it back in the future but at, at the same time we enjoy looking back and watching these different movies and documentaries and things that we have on the DVR it's always a lot of fun and we're thankful for that for sure too and uh, you know, whenever I get the chance to record these segments, especially to start the podcast for this week, talking about my older brother Matt celebrating his 33rd birthday, which will be on Friday, November 18th, you know, I'm thankful for every moment that you know Matt and I get the chance to have with one another thankful for every opportunity that we get to spend time with one another like I said that's true that truly means the world as well but I'm most thankful for my nephews now they have a, a, a loving and caring uncle that would do anything for those boys you know, Tristan Grayson and Liam they all mean the world to me and I'm thankful for them and you know, I love Matt, Beth, and their family. I'm very thankful for all of them. And definitely going to be the best uncle that I can be and the best brother that I can be moving forward as well. Matt and I are very close now as we're both in our early 30s. It's something that means so very much, you know, when we was younger, we didn't really enjoy each other's company a lot. But as we grown into becoming teenagers and then growing in our 20s and now being in our 30s, it's a wonderful thing. And we take a lot of pride, not only in the love that we have as, as brothers, but the family that we have. It's truly our, our greatest honor to, you know, I know for Matthew to be a dad now, you know, he's had a wonderful example of what a father should be from our dad, Jim. You know, he's truly one of the best, no doubt about that. And we've both, in our eyes, had the best mother in the world and in Korea as well. You know, we are stubborn with her a lot, 
but she doesn't take it anymore. You know, she she used to give in to us a lot, but you know, she's still here for me, and I appreciate that so very much. And I know that the love that she shares with Dad will forever be special for Matt and I because it's helped cr to create our family. Mom is such a great mother. I, I wouldn't trade her for anybody in this world. She's truly the best friend that I have in this world right now. No doubt about that. My father, Jim, you know, another story I'm going to tell is 14 years ago on um, November 16th, which is a Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, I had stabbed myself three times and tried to commit suicide. Luckily, I was unsuccessful because I was scared half to death. I went in and showed my parents. It scared my mom half to death, and that's one thing I regret to this day. But my dad really helped me through that time so very much. He, he looked at me and he said, you're always loved, never forget that. You know, he said that while we was over in the hospital, he said, I'm always gonna keep an eye on you. From that moment on, Dad always kept an eye on me. He said, I'm gonna keep an eye on you because that's gonna show and let you know how much I love you. And I'm so appreciative of that. Whenever I was sick and going through all of that in 2008, Mom had a wonderful job at Rite Aid and worked her tail off there. But Dad stayed by my side really the entire time that I was in the hospital. And I'll never be able to thank Dad enough for that. I know Mom would have been right there with him if uh, she didn't have to work to provide to her family. I thank her for all the sacrifices she made back then, too. Dad always knows how to cheer me up when I'm down. And uh, he has always told me continuously that whenever I need something, whether it's to go on a little ride to, to clear my mind or to, you know, be there to talk to him and stuff like that. Just come up and talk to him. And I've not done as good of a job as what I could do in that aspect. But moving forward, I am going to take Dad's advice. I am going to, you know, ask him for, for help. I'm going to ask him for advice. But most importantly, we're just going to be there for one another. And he told me, he said, I'm going to keep my eye on you moving forward, and he did. Through that whole period that I was home, had to do homeschooling, and was recovering from that horrible incident, Dad always kept an eye on me. He was true to his word. He said, once your brother, I'm gonna, once you're better, I'm not going to be as 
stern on you when when keeping my eye on you, but I'm still going to have that eye out in the corner. I said, I thank you for that, Dad. And uh, that's a truly wonderful thing to have not only a parent to care for you like that, you know, Dad's a step parent, but he will forever be more of a real father than any man ever could have been to me. I thank him so very much for that. That suicide attempt in 2008, it was a rough time. You know, Matt was uh, getting ready to turn 19 when that happened in a couple days. I continue to tell him that I'm so very sorry that I ruined your 19th birthday. But here's how good my brother is. A couple years ago, I said, man, I'm so sorry for what happened on November 16th, 2008. He said, brother, don't ever think about that. I want you to know this. Every year on my birthday now, on November 18th, you're my greatest gift. <laughs> that just showed in my eyes how much Matt truly does love me and care for me. Even through everything that we've been through together with one another, away from one another, him saying that has truly lifted my heart and has been so very special. And I will never be able to repay him for the time lost that year in 2008. But he said, I'm so thankful to have my younger brother still here with me. He said, you're my greatest gift each year on my birthday. Thank you so much for that, Matt. I love you with all my heart. I'm so glad that you're my sibling. You're my older brother. And that we have each other. You know, having a sibling or siblings or having friends who are basically like brothers. I've got so many of those to count. Um, they mean a lot. This week I've been reminiscing my watching of the Dale DVD that my best friend and great NASCAR aficionado who loved motorsports, Chance Craft got me as a birthday gift several years ago. I love that DVD. I, I continue to watch it to this day. And whenever something happens on that, those documentaries, makes me think of Chance. I, I think of told Matt the other day that I was watching that he said I know it has to be bittersweet for you at first I didn't understand 
what he had said, but then I knew what he meant by that. He said, you know, you're keeping Chance's memory alive by watching that DVD because he bought that for you. It's absolutely right. Matt had a wonderful point once again there. And I'll never be able to thank him enough for reminding me of those times. You know, not only with Chance, but with all of my friends and family as well. Matt will forever be my only sibling in life, my older brother. And I'm forever thankful that God and my mother ordained for Matt to be my older brother. It's truly an honor. And I'll forever have love for both Matt and, of course, my, my father, Jim. Two special individuals. Two individuals that I love a lot. And two men that I really look up at and am very thankful for both because they are uh, two strong-willed individuals who have both succeeded in their lives. I'm so very proud of who they are, but I'm proud of them more so for the roles that they have took on. You know, Dad being a being a papaw now is so very rewarding from Matt, I know, you know, having children of his own and you know, his girls having children as well, it, it's such a true blessing for Dad to be a papa. It's probably Mom's greatest achievement in her life is to be a mamma now to, to Grayson and Liam and to Tristan as well. You know, I never really look into those things, but I believe I can speak on behalf of both of them. They're proud to be a, a Ma and a Paul now, for sure. As Matt gets set to celebrate one of his favorite numbers and a birthday this year, the number 33, which is our grandmother's birth year, 1933, we're thankful for each other we're thankful for our bond and we're thankful for the many great memories that we've shared together and away from one another but we can reminisce on later so matt i wanted to take the time to open the podcast this week to to wish you a very happy 33rd birthday thank you for for being my blood brother my older brother and most importantly, one of my greatest friends in life. And, and going back to the 14 year anniversary of that tough incident that took place, you know, it, with each year that passes, I'm blessed to have lived another year. And I was 17 when that happened, now I'm 31. I've grown so much since then in terms of being an individual. 
might not have grown in terms of my temper or, or things like that, but I've, I've grown in terms of being a man. And I thank the good Lord for giving me all these years past that very tough time. And I, and I most importantly thank Dad for being there for me around that time in 2008. Looking over me, helping me to heal and to get better. It's a great honor to have so many wonderful positive male influences in my life. I love them all dearly. I love my dad so very much. I love my older brother so very much. Miss my best friend Chance every single day. He's been gone for over two years now. It's hard to believe. I miss him so very much. Yeah, very thankful for all of my work colleagues at Valley Broadcasting with WAXM slash WLSD. Very thankful for my colleagues at UVA Wise in the Sports Information Office and in UVA Wise Athletics. Thankful for this podcast, but most importantly, I'm thankful for everything that I've earned through UVA Wise. Having that wonderful school to go to and to earn a degree has been one of my greatest achievements in life. It's not my greatest achievement. My greatest achievement now is being an uncle to three loving nephews that I love so very dearly. My brother's sons. Nothing better than that, folks. When we come back here on the ET Considers Everything podcast for this third weekend in November, we'll go ahead and have a look at the high school football playoff results from this past weekend. Southwest Virginia Week 1, Northeast Tennessee, Southeast Kentucky Week 2. If you look ahead to the games and look back from NCAA Football Top 25 action for Week 11 and look at NFL Week 10 action as well. So still a lot more to get to here on the ET Considers Everything podcast for the weekend of Friday, November 18th. My brother, older brother Matt's 33rd birthday to Sunday, November 20th, 2022. Stay with me, ladies and gentlemen. More of the ET Considers Everything podcast coming up after this break. We'll be right back right here on Anchor and on Spotify. We're back here on the ET Considers Everything podcast for the weekend of Friday, November 18th through Sunday, November 20th, 2022. Very emotional opening segment as I took the time to wish my older brother Matt a very happy 33rd birthday, which is coming up this Friday and reminisced on a lot of the great memories that we've had together throughout our lives as brothers and siblings. Very thankful for every single moment and every single time we've got to spend together throughout the years and I looked back on the rough day back on November 16th 2008 that was a very rough day for my family and myself of course but I have survived and made it through all of that to become the man that I am today 
And I'm very thankful for every single day that the good Lord gives me to live since that day because you never know, I could have really uh, had my life end on that day. I'm thankful that I didn't. God has blessed me to continue to be here with my family, continue to be here with my friends, and every single day is a gift. And I definitely am thankful for every single day that the Lord gives me, for sure. What we'll do here in the second segment, ladies and gentlemen, is to go over the football results from this past weekend. High school football playoffs, round one, Southwest Virginia, round two, Northeast Tennessee, Southeast Kentucky. Give you a look back at the NCAA football top 25 schedule for week number 11. And then go ahead and take a look at the NFL schedule from week 10 as well with games all the way through the Sunday night matchup between the Chargers and the 49ers and the Monday night football matchup between the Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get going here with reading off these results and then going over some other major sporting news going on across the sports world from this weekend. Starting off with the VHSL football playoffs for round one. Region 1D quarterfinals took place. Here's how they went. Number one, Patrick Henry defeated number eight, Hurley, by a final score of 49-13. to Number seven, Lebanon upsets number two, Twin Springs, in a very high-scoring affair by a final score of 51-49. to it was number three seed Grundy knocking off number six seed Honeaker by a final score of 38 to 20. And it was number five seed Holston knocking off number four seed Rye Cove by a final score of 31 to 8. So that means next weekend in the Region 1D semifinals, it'll be number seven seed Lebanon traveling to number three seed Grundy. It'll be number five seed Holston traveling to number one seed, Patrick Henry. So all of the odd seeds are remaining in the region one day playoffs. Very interesting stat there. Now let's take a look at the region two D quarterfinal matchups from this past weekend. Number one seed Graham defeats number eight seed Central by a final score of 41 to 13. Number two seed Ridgeview knocks off number seven seed Taswell by a final score of 35-0 in a shutout. Number three seed Virginia High knocks off number six seed Lehigh at Emory and Henry in Meadowview, Virginia by a final score of 37-20. It was number four seed Gate City knocking off number five seed Union by a final score of 21-14. So that means... Number four seed Gate City will be at number one seed Graham. Number three seed Virginia High will be at number two seed Ridgeview. It went chalk in the Region 2D quarterfinals. Now let's take a look at the Region 1C quarterfinals. It's number one seed Galax knocking off number eight seed Bath County in a shutout by a final score of 49 to zero. Number two seed George With knocks off number seven seed Perry McClure by a final score of 41 to 22. It was number three seed Narrows knocking off number six seed Covington by a final score of 34 to eight. 
And it was number four seed Grayson County knocking off number five seed Childs by a final score of 35-7. to seven. So that means it'll be number four seed Grayson County at number one seed Galax. Number three seed Narrows will be at number two seed George Wythe. So it goes chalk in the Region 1C quarterfinals as well. Now let's go to the Region 2C quarterfinals at this time. Number 1 seed Radford knocks off number 8 seed Gretna by a final score of 48-20. to 20. It was number 4 seed Appomattox knocking off number 5 seed Allegheny County by a final score of 40-12. to 12. It was... Number two seed Martinsville knocking off number seven seed Dan River in a very close game by a final score of 42 to 39. And it was number three seed Glenver knocking off number six seed Floyd County by a final score of 49 to 14. So that means it'll be number four Appomattox at number one seed Radford. And it'll be number three seed Glenver at number two seed Martinsville in the Region 2C semifinals next weekend. So regions 2D, 1C, and 2C all went chalk in their first round of the playoffs. Region 1D, only one with upsets taking place. So definitely interesting results there. Now let's take a look at the TSSAA football playoffs for round two. In 1A action, it was number one seed Cloudland knocking off two seed Oliver Springs by a final score of 35-12. It was number one seed Coalfield knocking off number two seed Unica by a final score of 55-12. 2A action. It was number two seed Monterey knocking off number one seed Hampton by a final score of 40-16. It was number one seed York Institute knocking off number two seed South Green by a final score of 27-0. 3A action now. Number two seed Gatlinburg Pittman knocking off number one seed Chucky Doak by a final score of 47 to 34. There's number one seed Alcoa knocking off number three seed Pigeon Forge by a final score of 42 to 20. In 4A action, it was number one seed Greenville knocking off number two seed Gibbs by a final score of 58 to 28. There's number one seed Anderson County knocking off number two seed Elizabethan. By a final score of 30 to 24. In 5A action, it was number one seed Daniel Boone knocking off number two seed Knox Central by a final score of 30 to 7. And it was number one seed Knox West knocking off number two seed Morristown West by a final score of 68 to 14. 6A playoff action now. It was number one seed Science Hill knocking off number two seed Farragut. By a final score of 40 to 19. It was number one seed Maryville knocking off number three seed Bearden by a final score of 48 to 10. That means next weekend in 1A through 6A action, those winners will take on each other. So definitely looking forward to those matchups coming up next week. Now let's take a look at the KHSAA football playoffs for round two. 1A action. It was Paintsville knocking off Bishop Brossard by a final score of 42 to 16. Pipeville knocks off Harlan by a final score of 43 to 8. Raceland Worthington defeats Paris by a final score of 43 to 6. 
and it was Hazard knocking off Williamsburg by a final score of 29 to nothing. So three local teams will remain on into the quarterfinals of the 1A Kentucky High School Athletic Association football playoffs. Now let's take a look at the 2A bracket. Breathitt County knocks off Martin County by a final score of 34 to 21. It was Lexington Christian knocking off Somerset by a final score of 42 to 13. And Shelby Valley loses a clo- uh, wins a close one over Middlesboro by a final score of 28 to 21. So two local teams remain out of two-way action, Breathitt County and Shelby Valley. Now let's move on to three-way action. Ashland Blazer knocks off Belfry by a final score of 48 to 7. Bell County knocks off Fleming County by a final score of 47 to 6. And it was Greenup County knocking off Lawrence County by a final score of 28 to 7. So Bell County, only team remaining locally in 3A. Now let's move on to 4A action. Corbin shuts out Letcher Central by a final score of 49 to 0. Johnson Central defeats Wayne County by a final score of 43 to 6. And it was Lexington Catholic shutting out Berman County by a final score of 14 to 0. Local team remaining out of 4A are the Johnson Central Golden Eagles. And in 5A action, it was Southwestern knocking off North Laurel by a final score of 35 to 7. Very good season for North Laurel. Um, very impressed with the way they played throughout this year. And they definitely have a lot of room to continue to grow and get better coming in 2023 for sure. So local teams that remain in the playoffs in Southeast Kentucky include Paintsville, Pikeville, Hazard, Breathitt County, Shelby Valley, Bell County, and Johnson Central. So lots of uh, great local flavor there for the Southeast Kentucky um, KHSAA high school football playoffs. State quarterfinals will begin next week. Um, not sure what the matchups will be in Kentucky yet because they don't do a straight bracket format. So I'll have those coming up later on in the show. Now let's take a look at the NCAA football top 25 schedule for week 11. A great one for sure. Starting off with the game played on Friday, November 11th on Veterans Day. It was number eight Southern Cal knocking off Colorado by a final score of 55 to 17. Now games played on Saturday, November 12th, starting off with the games at noon. It was Vanderbilt knocking off number 24, Kentucky, by a final score of 24 to 21. Number 5, Tennessee, defeats Missouri by a final score of 66 to 24. Number 2, Ohio State, knocks off Indiana by a final score of 56 to 14. Number 7, LSU, goes on the road and gets a hard-fought SEC West victory over Arkansas by a final score of 13-10. to 10. Purdue knocks off number 21, Illinois, by a final score of 31-24. to 24. Now games played at 3.30 in the afternoon on Saturday. It was Clemson, number 10, Clemson, knocking off Louisville by a final score of 31-10. 
It was number three, Michigan, knocking off Nebraska by a final score of 34-3. Boston College upsets number 17, NC State, on the road by a final score of 21-20. Number 14, Penn State, knocks off Maryland by a final score in the shutout, 30-0. Oklahoma State, they defeat Iowa State by a final score of 24-17, I believe. It was number 10, Alabama, or number nine, Alabama, excuse me, logging off number 11, Ole Miss, by a final score of 30 to 24. Number 22, Central Florida, goes on the road to defeat number 17, Tulane, by a final score of 38 to 31. Number 19, Kansas State, defeats Baylor by a final score of 31 to 3. Number one, Georgia, knocks off Mississippi State by a final score of 45 to 19. It was number 25, Washington, uh, going to Eugene, Oregon, and knocking off Oregon, number six, by a final score of 37 to 34. All those games were played at seven up until the Tulane matchup. Kansas State and Baylor, Georgia, Mississippi State, and Washington, Oregon were played at seven. These games were played at 7.30. It was number 15, North Carolina, knocking off Wake Forest, by a final score of 36-34. Number 14, TCU, defeats number 18, Texas, by a final score of 17-10. to 10. Now the game's played at 8 p.m. It was number 23, Florida State, going on the road to defeat Syracuse by a final score of 38-3. This game was played at noon on Saturday as well. Number 20, Notre Dame, knocks off Navy by a final score of 35-32. This game played at 10 p.m. this past Saturday night. Pac-12 after dark action. Number 13, Utah, knocks off Stanford by a final score of 42-7. And in the other Pac-12 after dark game on Saturday night at 10.30, it was Arizona upsetting number 12, UCLA, by a final score of 34-28. to So definitely a lot of uh, great games to keep an eye on. Last weekend in NCAA football action, um, top teams remain where they're going to be at. Georgia wins a, a nice one on the road at Mississippi State. Ohio State defeats Indiana. Michigan, they hold home serve and defeat Nebraska. TCU, they hold on to defeat Texas. And number five, Tennessee. They defeat Missouri in a big way, 66-24, to improve to 9-1. Number six, Oregon will fall down the pole this week as they lose to Washington. Number 12, UCLA, they'll fall down the pole as they lost to Arizona this week. Uh, Ole Miss, they'll fall down the pole as they lose to Alabama. And uh, so much more will definitely be looked at as we move ahead to the college football playoff rankings which will be released on tuesday night at uh, around 8 p.m so definitely looking forward to that for sure now let's take a look at the nfl schedule for week 10 thursday night football played on november 10th it was carolina holding home field to defeat atlanta by a final score of 25 to 15. Games played on Sunday, November 13th, 2022, my nanny's 89th birthday. In Munich, Germany at 9.30 a.m., it was Tampa Bay defeating Seattle 
by final score 21 to 16. Tampa Bay goes to 500 and now take over first place in the NFC South. Games played at 1 p.m. Minnesota Vikings go on the road to a tough environment at the stadium formerly known as Ralph Wilson Stadium to defeat the Buffalo Bills by a final score of 33 to 30. Detroit Lions go on the road to Soldier Field to defeat the Chicago Bears by a final score of 31 to 30. It's the Kansas City Chiefs knocking off the Jacksonville Jaguars at Arrowhead Stadium by a final score of 27 to 17. Miami defeats Cleveland at home at Hard Rock Stadium by a final score of 39 to 17. The New York Giants defeat the Houston Texans at home at MetLife Stadium by a final score of 24 to 16. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers knocking off the New Orleans Saints at the stadium formerly known as Heinz Field by a final score of 20 to 10. Tennessee Titans defeat the Denver Broncos at Nissan Stadium by a final score of 17 to 10. Jeff Saturday wins his debut as Indianapolis Colts head coach. They defeat the Las Vegas Raiders by a final score at 25-20 at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. All right, the Green Bay Packers hold home field advantage and defeat the Dallas Cowboys with a 14-point fourth quarter comeback to win in overtime by a final score of 31-28. That is Green Bay's first win, believe it or not, since the first weekend in October. Hard to believe there, but it is. The Arizona Cardinals going on the road to defeat the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams by a final score of 27-17. Rams were without the services of Matt Stafford throughout much of that game, and the Arizona Cardinals had to rely on their backup as well as Kyler Murray was injured going into that matchup. The Sunday night football matchup was very intriguing. The 5-3 and three Los Angeles Chargers uh, going in with their quarterback, Justin Herbert, take on the 4-4 four and four San Francisco 49ers um, with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, Christian McCaffrey there, uh, George Kittle at tight end, a lot of great players there for the 49ers. So that was a very intriguing Sunday night football matchup this week. And I think this is a trap game for Philadelphia coming up on Monday Night Football this week. Washington Commanders coming in there at 4-5 and five will take on the Philadelphia Eagles 8-0 eight at 8.15 p.m. on Monday Night Football this week. Joe Buck, Troy Aitman will have the call from Lincoln Financial Field. Buys this week in the NFL, including the Baltimore Ravens 6-3, and three, Cincinnati Bengals 5-4, and four, New England 5-4, and four, and the New York Jets, who are 6-3 and three as well. Every buy team this week has a record over 500. So there's your look at the football action from this past weekend. A very fun and entertaining football weekend. We've already wrote down the playoff matchups for Tennessee and Virginia coming up for next week. I will write down Kentucky high school football playoff action when I'm on campus later this week to cover basketball for both the UVA wise men's team on Tuesday and the UVA wise women's team on Wednesday. So looking forward to that. UVA wise men's team will take on Pfeiffer University on Tuesday, night at 6 p.m. The UVA wise women's basketball team will take on King University at 530. So definitely looking forward to both of those matchups there 
as well. Now let's take a look at some of the other major sports headlines that have took place across the country and around the world this week weekend. The Colorado Buffaloes shock the Tennessee Volunteers. K.J. Simpson tallies a 23-point double-double to lead Colorado to a 78-66 win over the reigning SEC champion and number 11-ranked Tennessee Volunteers in Knoxville. Daniel Ricardo hits the back of Kevin Magnuson, forcing the Danish driver to spin off the track at Interlagos during the Formula One race from this past weekend. Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen collide. Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen make contact on the seventh lap at Interlagos, causing big damage to both, both vehicles and causing them both the win in that race. Ex-PSG boss Mauricio Pochettino claims too many superstars at club caused confusion during his time in charge of the club there in France. Janabek Alamakalani not holds off Denzel Bentley to retain the WBO middleweight title in a big boxing match from this past weekend. Built different, Habib Nurmagomedov, Amanda Nunez, and other members of the MMA world react to Dustin Poirier's win over Michael Chandler. Alex Pereira defeats Israel Adesanya via fifth round TKO to win the UFC middleweight championship at Madison Square Garden. Second UFC 284 title fight is now set. Raier Rodriguez will take on Josh Emmett in the octagon for the interim UFC featherweight title on February the 11th. Zhang Willy defeats Carla Esperanza via second round rear naked choke to win the UFC Strawweight Championship. College football playoff picks after week 11. Movement is minimal at the top of the voting, but some un unlucky ducks drop. ESPN reporters predict the field coming up for next week. Save of the year. Calgary Flames goalie Jacob Markstrom does everything in his power, including a cartwheel, to prevent the Winnipeg Jets from scoring in their game from this past weekend. Manchester United defeated Fulham on Sunday afternoon by a final score of 2-1. Much needed victory there for the Red Devils. ETSU defeats the Leopards by a final score of 65-45. Dustin Poirier wins an instant classic versus Michael Chandler via a third round near naked joke at UFC 281. Dan had a plan. Dan Hooker's focus on the body proves successful as he collects only the second ever finish by body kick in UFC history. Chris Gutierrez lands a flying knee to KO Frankie Edgar Cold and final fight of Frankie Edgar's MMA career. Renato Moichano keeps the trend of the first round finishes going, catching Brad Riddell with a rear naked choke for the W. One jab man. Ryan Spann sends Dominic Reyes to his fourth straight defeat 
with a single stiff shot in the first round. KO of the year. Emiliano Vargas needs just one punch to knock off Julio Martinez at top rank boxing. Mentioned this earlier while going over the uh, college football scores. Down goes number six, Oregon. Ducks slip, literally, and come up short on fourth down as number 25, Washington Huskies, now the go-ahead field goal on an electric 37-34 win. PSG defeats A.J. Auxerre by a final score of 5 to nothing in Ling Un action on Sunday. TCU and Texas were in a close game on Saturday afternoon. Number 4 TCU defeats number 18 Texas in a final score of 17-10, to 10, as I mentioned earlier. Boise State knocks off Nevada by a final score of 41-3 on Saturday afternoon. Colorado knocks off Carolina in NHL action by a final score of 4-1. Uh, Cole Makar has two goals for the Colorado Avalanche, and uh, Jordan Stahl has a goal for the Carolina Panthers. Boston Celtics defeat the Detroit Pistons by a final score of 117-108. On a Saturday, Jason Tatum had a double-double, 43 points, 10 rebounds to go along with three assists to help lead the Celtics to a victory. Aaron Blanchfield makes quick work of Molly McCann, overpowering her on the ground and getting the tap via a Kimura submission to win in the UFC. Marshall defeats Appalachian State by a final score of 28-21, on Saturday in Boone. It has definitely been an up and down season for the Appalachian State Mountaineers to say the least. Alley-oop attempt backfires. Marcus Smart throws it off the backboard to Jason Tatum who misses in epic, epic fashion but the C's get the victory. Brandon Nakashima beats Jerry Lakichi again to win the next gen finals in Milan, Italy. Michael Trezano and Song Won Choi catch one another flush with left hooks with both men hitting the mat, then popping back up. An unbelievable sequence of events there. The old two-piece combo. Carlos Ulberg catches Nicolay Nigamarino with a left jab, then follows it up with a huge looping left hook to get the KO victory. Unbeaten no more. Matt Frivala hands Ottman Azatir his first career loss after flooring him with a perfect left hand to the jaw for the knockout. There's you look at some of the sports news that's gone on around the world. Other other news include the VHSL Region 2D playoffs first round final score. Number three seed Virginia High knocking off number six seed Lehigh. By a final score of 37 to 20. Mentioned earlier, it'll be number three, Virginia High, and number two, Ridgeview, coming up next Saturday. Tony Khan congratulates Bandino on a huge win moments ago on AEW Rampage from this past Friday night. Multiple fans ejected, police called as someone threw a drink at Scarlet 
during her entrance with Karrion Cross during this past Friday night's edition of SmackDown. Definitely hate to hear that, to say the least. Kimberly says, hey guys, please don't send me pictures of my abuser and the woman who he cheated on with while he was with me. I agree with her on that one for sure. UVA Wise Basketball, thanks both Nia Van Zett and Caitlin Ross for their efforts from this past Saturday afternoon's victory over Clayton State as the Cavaliers get a big 72-65 victory to start the year. And they faced off against Flagler College on Sunday afternoon. I'll get the full rundown of that coming up on uh, Tuesday as I return back to campus to cover the basketball games this week. Joe Rogan is screaming how this was Alex's fifth MMA fight ever, and then they had to give him the news that this was a much more experienced fighter. Caleb Braxton says, well, at WWE Big E, at True Kofi, and of course not pictured at Austin Creed, wins hashtag the new day. Great win there for the new day for sure. Steve Austin versus CM Punk at WrestleMania 39. LFG Wrestling News says, we'll see if that happens. Ultimately, I'm not sure Triple H will bring CM Punk back to the environment that is WWE. I don't think it would be the right move at this point because ultimately at this point, CM Punk really has accomplished everything that he's needed to in the wrestling world, both in WWE and in AEW. Uh, he would be best probably just sitting at home at this point and uh, enjoying the rest of his days with his wife, AJ, and his family for sure. That's what I would do. But we'll see what unfolds. You never know what can happen in the wrestling world. Eddie Kingston says, don't, don't you have another long-winded promo about the same crap you say every single week? That's uh, Eddie Kingston responding to MJF on a promo that he had earlier uh, this week on Twitter and, of course, across social media. So definitely... Uh, some developments there by Eddie Kingston. Um, I, I'm a fan of Eddie Kingston. I, I think he's a very underrated talent in AEW. He is a strong hand, very good worker, knows how to work about any style, and definitely has proven to be one of the very best wrestlers that AEW has, and quite frankly, really one of the best talkers that AEW has as well. So as you look at the Football results from this past weekend, high school football playoffs beginning in Southwest Virginia, round two, Northeast Tennessee and Southeast Kentucky, NCAA football top 25 action for week 11, and the games through the 4.30 window on Sunday afternoon for NFL as well with the two games, Chargers 49ers on Sunday night football, Commanders and Eagles on Monday night football to come. And there's you look at some other sports headlines as well. When we come back here on the ET Considers Everything podcast, we'll shift gears. We will read a couple devotionals from this new devotional booklet that I have here at the house. Read from it. We will also continue reading from Shawn Michaels' book, Wrestling for My Life. We'll read chapter two from that book. And... In the last segment of the show, as always, we'll continue um, our trend of going over the 
next weekend's high school football playoff action, regional semifinals for Southwest Virginia, state quarterfinals in both Tennessee and Kentucky, get you set for the NCAA football top 25 action for week 12, and get you set for the NFL action for week 11 as well. So still a lot more to get to here on the ET Considers Everything podcast for this week. Stay with me, ladies and gentlemen. More of the show coming up after this break. We'll be back. We're back here on the ET Considers Everything podcast for the weekend of Friday, November 18th through Sunday, November 20th, 2022. And at this time, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm going to do is to read a couple devotionals from this new devotional book that I got over at the Clintwood Library last week, a free book, and it's a very nice resource to use, and very happy to have it now. So without further ado, let's go ahead and read a couple devotionals from this book. Starting with the devotional for the date of November 15th, and this one is titled, Stair Steps, Read Psalms, 37, 23 through 31. Memorize this verse, Matthew 19, 26. With God, everything is possible. The four-word phrase at the bottom is, God makes everything possible. Amen to that. Devotional goes as follows. Hooray, fried chicken, exclaimed Darren. Thanks for inviting me over for dinner. His grandparents smiled. I noticed you went forward at the end of the service this morning, Darren, said Grandpa, as he passed the chicken. Was there a special reason for that? Yes, sir, said Darren. You know how I've always wanted to be a doctor? Grandpa nodded, and Darren continued. Even though I'm just a kid, I really feel that the Lord wants me to be a missionary doctor someday. Today, I said yes. Grandma's eyes filled with happy tears, but Darren frowned slightly as he grabbed a biscuit. I don't know how I can ever do it, though. Mom says it costs a lot of money to get a doctor's training, and we're pretty poor since Dad had passed away. And I may not even be smart enough to be a doctor, he added doubtfully. With God, all things are possible, quoted Grandma softly. After dinner, Grandpa asked Darren to go upstairs and get a book for him. And let's see you leap up there in one bound, he added. There are 17 steps to the top. Darren laughed. I can't do that, he said. You have to take one step, or maybe two at a time, don't you? Asked Grandpa. Reaching your goal of being a missionary doctor is like reaching the top of the stairs. God doesn't expect you to get there all at once. He expects you to take one step at a time. Darren looked up the stairway thoughtfully. I guess sometimes a person can't even see how to take one step. That's where faith comes in, answered Grandpa. If the Lord says to step, you lift your foot, trusting him to make your way possible. I guess I took my first step today when I said yes, said Darren. What do you suppose the next one will be? Probably to study hard, suggested Grandpa. Darren grinned. I better go home and start on my second step, he said. I've got a test tomorrow. That's by MRP. And the devotional here at the end of the uh, message always asks, how about you? And it talks about 
these things in terms of the devotional. Do you feel God wants you to do something that seems impossible? Well, for some people, God gives tasks that may seem impossible, but as long as you have God on your heart and as long as you have God on your mind and you are able to have the Bible as a resource or a devotional website or a devotional booklet with you to read through Bible verses. As long as you have that resource with you, God will help you through anything that you need in life. He can help you study, witness, be kind, and obey anything. Be sensitive to what he wants you to do, both now and in the future. Amen to that. You know, when, when we're looking at life, we always want to look ahead towards the future. But we have to remember that each day that the Lord gives us is a gift. And we need to be thankful for that because no matter how long we're able to live in life, we need to be appreciative of each day that the Lord gives us to be here, not only with our family, not only with our friends, but truthfully within ourselves as well. And that is a beautiful thing to look at. So remember that on the Stair Steps devotional, always remember Matthew 19, 26 says, With God, all things are possible. Now let's move ahead to November 16th, Basketball Blues. Read Romans 12, 1 through 8. The four-word message at the end of this devotional is develop your own talent. Memorize this Bible verse, Romans 12, 6. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Amen to that. Jesse yanked the door open, bounded into the house, and fell dramatically into an overstuffed chair in the living room. Apparently busy rummaging for something in his briefcase, his father watched Jesse from the corner of his eye. So, Jess, how was your day? Dad asked his usual before supper question. Fine, Jesse muttered as he stared out the window. Jesse's father put some folders into his briefcase, closed it, and set it down beside him. You don't seem very happy tonight, he said. Is something bothering you? Jesse opened his mouth as if to speak, but then closed it, changing his mind. He sighed. It's basketball that I'm bummed about. He said, finally, I didn't make the team. I didn't know you were going out for the team, said Dad. Do you enjoy playing basketball that much? Jesse shrugged. All my friends are on the team, he said. Dad reached over and picked up a scripture, a sculpture of a bird. Well, your friends like you less, well, your friends like you less if you're not on the team, he asked if, as he turned the bird over in his hands. No, Jesse replied, but I want to be like them. I just want to be able to fit in. Let me ask you this, Jess, said Dad. If your friends decided to rob a bank, would you still want to fit in? Jesse laughed. Of course not, Dad, he replied. Even though you wouldn't be like them if you didn't, said Dad. 
Jesse sighed. I guess I just feel clumsy, he replied. He looked at the bird sculpture Dad was holding. I remember making that, he said. Sixth grade art class. Apparently God didn't make you a great basketball player, observed Dad, but he did give you a gift for art, and you enjoy it. Yeah, agreed Jesse. He took that, the bird and exclaimed it closely, examined it closely. You know, Dad, maybe I'll sign up for an art class next year. What about your friends? asked Dad. Jesse laughed. Maybe I'll carve them a basketball. VLR. How about you? Do you try to fit in with your friends, even if it means doing things you don't care about doing? Well, this is a wonderful question. And, you know, while that is the case, for me, a lot of the times, I don't try to do anything dangerous to my health in terms of those things, especially, you know, with my friends. You know, I, I, I love fitting in with them. I love talking to them. I love being there with them, you know, whether it's my colleagues at the radio station, whether it's my colleagues at UVA Wise whether it's my friends in backyard wrestling, whether it's my fancy football group chat, whether it's, you know, my family. I always like to fit in, but at the end of the day, am I going to hurt myself in the process of trying to fit in? No, I'm not. Because at the end of the day, what's worth it is being around your friends and them enjoying you for who you are. That is what is most important in life. And we always need to be grateful for our friends that see us for who we are. We try to fit in with them, but if we realize that we, we can't do something that's uh, hazardous or treacherous to us, then they understand it. And that's what friendship is all about. So definitely remember that. God has given you special talents of your own. Don't try to copy what others do if it's not right for you. Be honest with yourself. Whatever your talent might be, find it and put it to use. Amen to that. We all have unique talents in our lives. You know, for me, my greatest talent is to be able to talk about sporting events, talking about wrestling events writing down games, writing down statistics, writing down, uh, scouting the opponent's segments for UVA-wise athletic broadcast. Those are my talents. Writing down all of the games that we cover for high school football uh, each week on the scoreboard show, those are my talents. You know, I, I'm very appreciative and thankful that God has given me the love of sports and wrestling Thanks to, you know, my mother. My mother really loved sports and loved wrestling growing up as a young lady. And she passed that on to me. And I would not be the person that I am today without her original love of both sports and wrestling that has been passed to me. And I'm very thankful for that. We all have unique talents that are true to ourselves. And others help us 
every single day, whether it's family, friends. They help us by passing on the unique talents that they have, and they teach that to us. And every single day we have to give the love and the support that we need, not only to our family, not only to our friends, but most importantly, within ourselves. Because caring for yourself is something that really needs to be looked at every single day. If you're not trying to help your own personal health and you're doing at the detriment of your own health, trying to help others out with their things, then that's going to be a hindrance to you. But you have to be there for your friends as well. I'm not saying, you know, not to help them at all. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is always be aware of your own personal health. But be there for others at the same time, too, because you never really know what heart you might tr touch each day. Let's pray to end this segment, ladies and gentlemen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to say thank you for all the great blessings you've given to me in my life. Lord, you've helped me in so many ways, especially over these last two-plus years since I was baptized with my best friend Justin Phillips that you have given me the ability to be more compassionate but most importantly be patient and be loving with others because when we're going through life Lord we don't understand what others are going through but we have to be able for them to be in our shoes but for us to be in their shoes as well Lord, if you can, help me with growing to be more patient, growing to be a better son, growing to be a better brother, growing to be a better uncle, a better grandson. All the roles that I have in my life, Lord, help me with them and help me to be a better friend to all of my very good friends out there. And most importantly, my brothers and sisters in arms. I'm thankful for all of them. I love them dearly. And most importantly, Lord, I thank you for helping me through each day. You know, Lord, I'm coming up on a very tough anniversary. But you, along with my parents, along with my older brother, gave me the strength to continue on with my life. 14 years later, I'm still here on this earth. And at the age of 31 now, I realize now more than ever that my support system has been one of the greatest, if not the greatest, that any one person could have. And I thank you so very much for that, God. Each day that I live now is a gift from you. And I truly realize that. And I thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart for not letting me pass on that treacherous day and keeping me here with the people that I need the most in my life. My, my mom, my dad, Jim, my older brother, Matt, all of my cousins, both sets of grandparents. Now, unfortunately, one set have passed on, but... They're still in my heart 
every single day. I thank you for all my aunts and uncles, my cousins. Most importantly, I thank you, Lord, for my nephews. You know, I might not have any children of my own, but I'm going to treat my nephews as if they are my own, very close to them anyway, because that's what an uncle needs to do. And that's exactly what I'm going to do through your love, Lord, and through your example. Lord, bless over this nation. Look over our leaders, Lord, as we get set to enter a uh, new year coming up here in 2023, new congressional cycle, a new Senate cycle, and the third year of Joe Biden's presidency. And we we look to continue on with that and keep him and all of our leaders safe around the nation, Lord. And Lord, look over our EMTs, our doctors, nurses, our first responders, policemen, firefighters, and our military personnel serving here at home and around the world. And Lord, most importantly, continue to bless over those that need your help and guidance now more than ever. Touch their heart. Let them know that you love them so very much, Lord, like you did with mine. The best thing that I've done in my life is to be baptized, and I thank you for that, Lord. I'm thankful for every single thing that I've got to accomplish in my life through your help, Lord, through my family and through my friends' help. And I look forward to being here for many, many more days, weeks, months, and hopefully years to come. Lord, I ask all these things unto you and your dear Son, our precious Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. You know, when you're going through life, always remember that the Word of God is such a wonderful resource. Whether you use devotionals, whether you use the Word of God, whether you use messages that you can hear, messages that you can read, Always remember that the Word of God will help you so much through everyday life. This devotional booklet is a wonderful thing. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for this Athlete's Bible that I have that was given to me by Gary Maggard of the FCA. Very thankful for that. And I'm very thankful for the devotional that is sent to me each day through Our Daily Bread. And that's going to be a resource that I'm really going to use moving forward along with this one-year devotional book is to read those devotionals, have them in my life, and turn to God. I thank you for that every single day, Lord, keeping me in line and giving me the strength and the courage to make it through each day no matter what I'm facing. Lord, continue to give me the strength and the courage to to go through life, and to most importantly, not have physical strength, but more importantly, have mental strength, that everything is going to be okay. I have to stop overwhelming myself, because if I, if I don't stop overwhelming myself, it's just going to hurt my physical body, and it's going to continue to affect my brain. So help me through that, Lord, if you can. 
throughout these next few days, weeks, and months to come as we get set to close out 2022, the last month and a half of a year coming up. Hard to believe we're getting set to go into 2023. Seems like 2022 just started. But I'll be thankful that the year 2022 will be over. We won't have that 2022 at the end. We'll be moving to 2023, and everything will definitely get better from there. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you do for me on a daily basis. Give me the strength and the courage daily that I need. And I appreciate that so very much. When we come back here on the ET Considers Everything podcast, we will continue reading from Wrestling for My Life, the book done by Shawn Michaels. We will read chapter two in it. I will go over that chapter, read it, give you my thoughts and analysis on that. And then we'll close up shop with the podcast this week with a look ahead to this weekend's upcoming high school football playoff action in Southwest Virginia for the regional quarter semifinals, the V the TSSAA and KHSAA, Tennessee and Kentucky state quarterfinals coming up this weekend in high school football. Continue to look ahead to the NCAA football top 25 schedule for week 12 and look ahead to NFL action for week 11 as well, along with other major sports news and wrestling news and much, much more. As we continue on celebrating my older brother Matt's 33rd birthday, I talk about the Money in the Bank pay-per-view from 2011 that Matt and I begged mom for to order for my birthday, and it worked. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, that that was a special memory. And another special memory that Matt and I got to share together, and, and, and this might be more so on my end, because I've never really got the chance to ask Matt how he felt about this, but um, me graduating from UVA wise. I know that was a special day for me. I know deep down that was a special day for him too, because getting to see his younger brother walk the stage at UVA wise was uh, something that, you know, quite frankly, I didn't know I was going to be able to do, but I did. And I'm thankful that I had the support system that I did at UVA wise. Thanks to my mentor, Rachel Ty. Never be able to thank her enough for everything that she does. And, you know, to have Matt there, to have Logan there, you know, to have my nanny there, and to have sis there, and to have mom and dad there, that was such a special moment, you know, for me. But I know for Matt, that had to mean a lot for him, too. And... He was really looking forward to everything that day, even though it was a rush for all of us to get ready. Him and Logan went on, and they got to see me walk the stage, and that was uh, something that meant a lot, I know, to all of us. And I'm thankful that Matt and Logan were there for graduation that day. I know Garrett had to work, couldn't be there. He had other obligations to do. But he was proud of my accomplishment as well. But, you know, the first memory that I shared was reliving the Money in the Bank pay-per-view from 2011 that me and Matt begged Mom for. She ordered it for us, and we were thankful to watch it. One of the best pay-per-views, really, 
we watched together. And it was unlike Matt to uncharacteristic of him to, to beg with me for the pay-per-view, but he did. And I was thankful he did. So that was a lot of fun. And reliving UVA-wise graduation from 2016, very special for um, not only myself, but for Matt as well. I know. When we come back, we'll read Chapter 2 from Wrestling for My Life, the book done by Shawn Michaels, and we'll continue on with this podcast right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us right here on the E.T. Considers Everything podcast. We're back here on the E.T. Considers Everything podcast for the weekend of Friday, November 18th through Sunday, November 20th, 2022. Very fun show so far in the opening segment. I wish my older brother Matt a very happy 33rd birthday, which is coming up this Friday. And I took the time to reflect back on my uh, tough day from November 16th, 2008. When I tried to commit suicide, thank the good Lord that I was unsuccessful. And I'm still here 14 years later, and that's a testament not only to my willpower, but the Lord's willpower to keep me here and my family's power and strength and courage to have me with them. And I'm so very thankful for all the love that not only my family has shown me, but a multitude of wonderful friends and colleagues have shown me throughout the years as well. It means a lot to me, and I really appreciate all of you. In the second segment, I took the time to go over the football results from this past weekend, high school football playoffs, round one in southwest Virginia, round two, northeast Tennessee and southeast Kentucky. Went over the NCAA football top 25 results for week 11, and went over the week 10 results for NFL contests as well. Then the third segment, I read multiple devotionals from this new devotional booklet that I got from over at the Clintwood Library, and I prayed with my listeners as I always do during that segment. What I'm going to do here in this segment now is to read Chapter 2 from Wrestling for My Life by Shawn Michaels, and the title of this chapter is entitled From the Bottom Up. The Bible verse connected to this, and I love this, that Sean connects a Bible verse to each chapter. John 3, 3, and it says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Amen to that one. I'll go over another memory from uh, my brother and I's life together here at the end of this reading as well. The chapter goes as follows. The rock bottom moment in my life began on the living room couch. Cameron was barely two years old, and it was our weekly pizza and cookies night. Every Friday, we would pig out on pizza, pepperoni, and jalapeno for me, cheese for him, and chocolate chip cookies. Cameron loved our Friday nights. I did too. But on this Friday night, I was in another one of my pill-induced fogs, stretched out on the couch, only half aware of what was going on around me. In the middle of eating cookies, Cameron crawled up on me, pretended to be asleep, 
and then said, Daddy's tired. I hear his words today more crisply than I did that night because that was the moment I can look back to and realize that unbeknownst to me, Cameron had figured out what I was. It was close to Cameron's bedtime and Rebecca offered to take him to his room and read him a bedtime story. No, I'll do it, I adamantly countered. I read to my son almost every night because I so wanted to be a good dad, even if I wasn't one. I followed Cameron off to his bedroom and read to him. There's no chance of me remembering the name of the book because in the state I was in, it was all I could do to slur my way through the story. When I finished reading, I went back to the couch and fell asleep. Rebecca later helped me to bed, and during the night I woke up and shook her. Who ate the cookies, I asked, unable to recall what happened during the night. You did, she answered. I couldn't remember eating the pizza and cookies, but that was the answer I expected. Angry at myself, I stormed to the bathroom and flipped on the light. I ate them, I asked Rebecca again. Yeah, you ate them, she repeated. Sobbing almost uncontrollably, I stared at the man in the mirror directly into his eyes and told him that he was a piece of trash. Disgusted with what I was seeing, who I was seeing, I returned to bed. For the first time, reality had set in. My son was beginning to notice who I truly was, and that was going to affect him. I was in the process of ruining not only my life, but also my son's. Lord, I said, please change me. The Lord and I didn't exactly have a history of open communication. In fact, I think that night was the first time I ever cried out to him. I had grown up attending church and knew who God is, but I didn't know him. I did, however, know enough about God to recognize that I was not living the way I was supposed to be living. The next day, Kevin Nash called me. Kevin and I had been close friends since 1993 when he left World Championship Wrestling to join WWE as my bodyguard and my best friend. We had talked the night before, and he called me again. He was concerned about how I sounded. He asked if I was still doing pills. Every once in a while, I answered. At one point, I had been popping 30 to 35 pills a day mostly muscle relaxers to help deal with the pain resulting from more than 15 years of competing in the wrestling ring. I had cut back to only on the weekends, and by comparison, that did seem like every once in a while to me. I had convinced myself that not taking pills every day was a major accomplishment. But Kevin read, read me the riot act over the phone. To him, even every once in a while was way too often if it happened in front of my family. Dude, you have a wife and a son. You can't be doing this anymore. The conversation with Kevin replayed in my mind throughout the day. The next morning, I rolled over in bed and told Rebecca that I was done with the drugs for good. That's great, she replied, though sounding unconvinced. She had heard me say that before. The first time I had sworn off drugs and alcohol, was when we had learned that Rebecca was pregnant with Cameron. You're going to be having a child, I told myself. You have to get yourself together. I didn't at that point. When I look back, I honestly don't believe or know that I was an addict. I say that because I think I could have stopped popping the pills 
and getting drunk. It was just that I didn't want to. So after vowing to stop, I granted myself a waiver. It wasn't really necessary to stop at that point. I convinced myself when I could wait until our child actually arrived. Of course, when Cameron was born, I didn't stop. He's just a baby, I reasoned. He isn't old enough to know what you're doing. In my mind, though, desperate to acknowledge anything good about myself, I thought it was commendable that I had reduced my drug use to only on weekends. But I was still doing them. And then that night, after what had happened on the couch, I realized that for almost three years, I had kept fooling myself to the point that my son had become old enough to know that there were times when Daddy would be tired. The notion that at least cutting back on my drug use made me worthy of a pat on my back was a direct product of how I had grown up. I was a pretty good kid who didn't get into a lot of trouble. I listened to my parents, although since I was the son of an Air Force officer, there were times when it seemed I didn't have any options other than to do as told. We were widely regarded as a good family. I was the last of four children with two brothers and a sister. My second oldest brother and my sister found a little bit of trouble growing up. My oldest brother and I avoided serious trouble. Our brother and sister were the ones who established the negative bar, so to speak, so my big brother and I were pretty much viewed as good boys by comparison. When I reached my teenage years, for example, I didn't remember my parents ever telling me I couldn't drink alcohol. I guess it was a given to them that I was going to go out with friends after football games and on weekends have a couple beers. But my parents did make it known that I was never to drink and drive. It was as though they had conceded that I was going to drink, so the best thing they could do for me was to put some regulations in place that would keep me safe. My mindset was that as long as I did good things, and good things sometimes meant nothing more than doing some of the bad things that I knew others were doing, I was in good shape. Our family went to a Catholic church every Sunday. There was never any question about whether we would attend Mass. My parents said we were going, and I did what I was told, because I was an obedient kid, although I now realize that going to Mass was nearly something I did because my parents went. For me, there never was any kind of sincere consideration of spirituality or a relationship with God. We ate dinner together as a family and said our Catholic blessings over the food. As long as I did the good things associated with religion, I thought I was in good shape, spiritually too. I thought doing the sacraments made me a Christian. I was an altar boy. Went to my first confession and my first communion. I even attended Catholic school through fifth grade. Obedience to authority was probably the main motivator of my behavior in our home. With my dad's military background, he was accustomed to giving orders and having them followed. He expected obedience out of us, and we had grown up watching others, adults, obey his orders. More than that, we watched our dad obey the orders of his superiors. We saw obedience modeled every day. 
when one of our parents became upset, hearing a curse word or two wasn't a surprise. They didn't cuss like sailors, as the saying goes, but there was never any talk afterward on their parts to steer us away from using such language. Sin wasn't a word used around our house. The Lord wasn't referenced as a way of letting one of us know that we had done something wrong. In our home, wrong was wrong, not because it was a sin, but only because it was disobedience to our parents. Never in the church, at Catholic school, or at home, did I hear that I needed to become saved and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Perhaps it was said somewhere along the way, and I had missed it. I had heard of people becoming born again, but I didn't know what it meant, and only thought about it in terms of some type of strange, almost fanatic religious cult type of experience. I never cracked open a Bible and read when, where Jesus clearly said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. I was a mass every Sunday. I was doing everything I was supposed to at church. And outside of church, I was getting into less trouble than a lot of my peers. So as far as I knew, I was good. Well, I eventually found trouble and lots of love. My parents may not have had rules for us, but they did have some in place. Once I moved out of for college, and it was up to me to set the limits, there were even fewer rules, and I began getting into things I shouldn't have. I was bitten by the wrestling bug at age 12. During my senior year in high school, my dad made a connection and set up a meeting with Fred Benran, who promoted matches for world-class championship wrestling. Fred informed me that I would need to be at least 19 years old to obtain a wrestling license in the state of Texas, and said he would keep me in mind and give me a tryout after I finished college. College wasn't my thing. I attended Southwest Texas State, now Texas State University, for two semesters. But all I wanted to be was a professional wrestler. I took a speech communications class with the express purpose of learning speaking skills that would help me cut wrestling promos. I had a 1.4 GPA my first semester. When I told my dad that my only interest was in becoming a wrestler, he struck a deal with me. If I had made a 2.5 my second semester, he would average another, arrange another meeting with Fred Baran. I made my 2.5, but only by a technicality. I officially pulled another 1.4, but if you erase the F for a class I thought I had dropped, my GPA came out to 2.5. Fortunately, that was enough for Dad to take me back to Mr. Baran. With Dad taking out a $3,000 loan to pay for my training, Mr. Baran set me up to work with veteran wrestler Jose Lothario. In addition to teaching me the backflip, Jose proposed my ring name, Shawn Michaels. At first, I wasn't crazy about it. My real name was Michael Shawn Hickenbottom, and I'd always gone by my, by my real name, Shawn, middle name, because I didn't like the name Michael. I was about to enter what I considered a bigger-than-life business, and I couldn't see Shawn Michaels generating any excitement. Since I had been called Sean all my life, it seemed very normal, just a basic name. 
but I wasn't along, but I went along with Jose's idea because I wasn't able to come up with a better name myself. I trained for about three months with Jose before he arranged my chance to break into the business, wrestling my first match for Cowboy Bill Watts in Mid-South Wrestling. I quickly discovered the demands the wrestling schedule had as I took part in seven to nine shows a week, including doubles on weekends. From Mid-South, I moved on to Central States Wrestling in Kansas City. It was there that I discovered the wrestler's lifestyle. Even though I was only 19 at the time, I began going out drinking with other wrestlers after matches. That was the beginning of a long slide into losing control of my life. I am condensing here what is detailed in my first book, but I began to grow in fame and stature. And as the aches and pains of our sport began to take over my body, I began to drink more and started taking drugs and pills and chasing women. You named it, I tried it. And most of what I tried, I kept doing. The worse my lifestyle became, the more difficult I became to work with. It's fair to say that I was a jerk to many people in the business. But one thing I will say, all the partying never affected my ability to put on a good show in the ring. Shawn Michaels, a fun, loving guy, beginning to buy in to the rock star attitude, became a shooting star. But Sean Hickenbottom, once a pretty decent guy, raced to be incredibly boring by comparison, was gradually fizzling out. Fast forward to the year 1998. I was watching the Monday Night Nitro program of World Championship Wrestling, WCW, because I like to see how Friends and Wrestling's other major organization were doing. Plus, it was always good to keep tabs on what the competition was up to as well. Nitro featured dancers who were called the Nitro Girls. One in particular who went by the name Whisper stood out. I was telling a friend, Rich Menzer, about the dancer on television who had just about knocked my socks off. Rich ran a gym in California that wrestlers liked to visit when they were in his area. And a couple weeks later, he called to tell me that WCW was in town and that he had seen Whisper and that she looked even better in person than she did on TV. I found that difficult to believe. But when Rich asked if I had wanted to, to try to get Whisper's phone number for me, that was one of the easiest questions I've ever answered. It took a little convincing and the help of another Nitro girl, but Rich got me the phone number of Rebecca Kersey. I was reluctant to call Rebecca because I felt like a stalker. After a couple of days, Rich called and said he had received a voicemail from Rebecca saying that she hadn't heard from me and she guessed it wasn't meant to be. Only then did I get up the nerve to call her. The funny thing was that even though Rebecca was part of Nitro, she wasn't a fan of wrestling and had no idea who I was. Likely because I felt nothing like the Shawn Michaels character on TV, who was brash and supremely confident around girls, I liked that. We talked every night on the phone for two weeks. A few weeks later, Rebecca flew from her home in Atlanta to meet me in San Antonio. When she walked through the airport gate, I agreed with Rich's assessment. She did look more stunning in, por in person. Our first, per uh, first visit together went great. We met again a few weeks later in Los Angeles. 
I knew then that I had found the one for me. I had fallen in love with Rebecca the first time I met her and knew that I would never meet anyone else who could be a friend to me like her because she was fun to be around and not hesitant in the least to get playfully silly. She was extremely funny and made me laugh, and those were the type of people I tended to gravitate towards. Surprisingly for someone who had played a dancer on television, she was humble and didn't carry herself like the unbelievably beautiful woman that she was. She was a traditional type of woman who enjoyed staying home and cooking. In many ways, we both were different in real life than who we was on television. When I told family members and close friends that I wanted to marry Rebecca, I think all of them became concerned that I was rushing into the marriage. Everyone who met Rebecca absolutely loved her, so who I wanted to marry wasn't the problem. My mom expressed the most concern because of the place I was in at my life then. I hadn't exactly been the bastion of good judgment. She wanted me to spend more time getting to know Rebecca, to make sure that Rebecca's intentions were as pure as they appeared. Although my family and friends were supportive of me being with Rebecca, they weren't supporting of us marrying each other yet. Their op opinions weren't going to sway me, however. Three weeks after our time together in Los, Los Angeles, with an Elvis impersonator as our witness, we married at the Graceland Wedding Chapel in Las Vegas. Rebecca grew up Southern Baptist, and she was an example of someone who was raised in faith, fell away from it, came back to faith, and then would fall away again. I sensed that when we married, her spirituality meter was climbing. There were certain ministers whom she liked to watch on television, and she was doing her best to walk out her faith in a business that certainly didn't make that easy. During our very first conversation, she had asked me, Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I quickly answered. I'm Catholic. Rebecca has since told me that the question she should have asked was, Do you know Jesus? That's a much different question and it would have elicited a much different answer. Of course, I believed in Jesus, I told her. I had gone to church every Sunday growing up, but I did not personally know Jesus. It didn't take long into our marriage for Rebecca to observe that. It also didn't take long for a big change to occur. We had planned on starting a family soon after we married, but not as soon as we did. Six weeks after the wedding, Rebecca learned that she was pregnant. That's the period of my life when, with two bad knees, a really bad back, and a hurting shoulder, I was taking 30 to 35 pills per day. I took them first thing in the morning, during the afternoon, and then again at night. I was a mess, often passing out on the couch. Rebecca would take care of me, making sure I was in a comfortable position for my back, and then go off to our bedroom and pray that God would help me stop with the pills. When my mind was clear, she would tell me how much she hated going to bed alone and how much she missed her husband. I'll stop when our baby is born, I promised her. Cameron was born in January of 2000, and there was nothing I wanted more than to be a good father to him. I cut back on the pills, but I didn't stop. Rebecca had made significant changes in her life. I think that 
Learning that she would be a mother motivated her to get back to her faith roots. She persistently prayed that I would never, that I would make changes too. Then when Cameron was about nine months old and I was still living in my old ways, she sat me down and told me that she loved me, that for Cameron's sake, she would leave me if I didn't change. She left that night with Cameron to stay at a hotel and left me alone to think. The next day she came back home and reminded me that she loved me and knew that I loved her, informed me that she had not really been who she wanted to be in front of me and told me that she needed to make her faith a priority once again. Rebecca began taking part in a Bible study, which I was fine with because I wanted to be a supportive husband. I definitely had my shortcomings, but I loved Rebecca more than I could imagine loving anyone else, and I always wanted to support her, and I took note of the differences I began seeing in Rebecca, especially how at peace she seemed. Even though she had always told me she loved me and backed that up by consistently showing me that she did love me, I knew I could not have been easy to live with. It wasn't that she started overlooking my pill popping and passing out on the couch. Instead, it seemed as if she had gained a renewed hope that I could change and that it would not be up to her to make it happen. I had no plans of going down the path of faith Rebecca had chose, but I was genuinely happy for her. Plus, it made me feel good about myself that I was being supportive of Rebecca's spiritual pursuits. Frankly, at that point, I needed some things I could pat myself on the back for. One day, I shared with Rebecca that I thought it would do some good to read the Bible, but that its old language all the yees and theys made it difficult for me to understand. For Christmas, she gave me a Bible written in a more contemporary language, the New Living Translation Study Bible. The language was simple and made more sense to me than what I had tried to read growing up, and the accompanying study notes at the bottom of the page helped me better understand the meanings behind the scriptures. She also gave me a couple books that Christmas, and one of them really had a major impact on me. James Dobson's Straight Talk to Men was the first book I had read that clearly defined from a biblical perspective what was expected of a husband and a father. The book challenged me to be a strong leader in my family. As I read through Dr. Dobson's book, I recognized all the areas where I was failing incredibly short of what I needed to be. None of what was expected of a real man seemed overly soft either. The book never made my role sound as if I needed to be a wishy-washy, goody-two-shoes type of Christian guy. I was a wrestler. I was, into, I was into tough, and it felt as if the book was throwing down the gauntlet of my manhood. That was important because I wanted to be a good husband to Rebecca. I also wanted to be a good father to our son. I loved them both and wanted to provide for them the best I could, and the realization that I was failing to do so bothered me deeply. Another book that greatly affected me was an outdoors survival guide. It was a small, almost underground type of book that my brother-in-law had picked up at a gun show and given to me. 
Because of the back injury that had forced me to retire from the ring, I was making only a few appearances with WWE by then. Vince was good to me, doing me a favor by using me here and there in a referee's role or as a special commissioner. Being out from under the busy schedule of wrestling for the first time, I had the opportunity to explore hobbies and develop other interests, and, and I began getting interested in the outdoors. At the beginning of the book, the author wrote that he was a Christian, and that if his readers did not have Christ in their lives, they would not be good at following the tips and advice he would have in sharing this book. The book was fresh on my mind when I took my first hunting trip, exciting to finally have the time to do the hunting that I had been wanting to do for a long time. I was sitting alone in a deer stand, probably halfway incoherent because of heaven knows what I had taken before I got into the blind. And watching the stars fade at the sun rose to signal the opening of a crisp fall morning in the Texas Hill Country. It's difficult to explain, but it was a kind of serene scene that gave me the opportunity to decompress. Even now, I can't really point to what specifically impacted me in that deer blind, but it was a spiritual moment such as I had never experienced before. I had wanted our son to grow up in church because I knew from my childhood that church was a good influence on a family. More importantly, because, I, because of what I was reading in the Bible and other books, it was becoming increasingly important that I attend church. My parents had installed, instilled in me and my siblings that the church was where you could go when everything fell apart. Thus, I knew that there was something I needed in my life, and I would probably find it in the church before I found it anywhere else. I definitely had it, hadn't found it in any of the other places I had been before. It strikes me that even though I had grown up in church without actually being aware of what it truly was, all those years later, the church became a magnet drawing me back to where I needed to be. Church became like the note on a fire extinguisher in a hotel hallway. In case of emergency, break glass. No, I don't consider faith an emergency only option because it is much more than that. But I recognized that my life had reached emergency status. My situation called for breaking the glass. When I started going back to my Catholic church, but Rebecca did we started going back to my Catholic church, but Rebecca didn't like it there. And she said that she thought we needed to find another church. I asked where she wanted to go, and she suggested we try Cornerstone Church. It was near our home, and Rebecca had watched the pastor John Hagee on television when she lived in Atlanta. I wasn't excited about going to a TV church, but again, aware that I had an opportunity to pat myself on the back for being a supportive husband, I said we could go to Cornerstone. At least Cornerstone was close to where we lived, so if it turned out to be what I expected, it wouldn't have put me out too much. Our first visit was on Father's Day, and we had Cameron with us in the service. I guess he was moving around or making noises or something because the woman sitting in front of us kept turning around and giving us the, this mean look. That turned me off to the church. 
They're just snobs here, I thought. After the service, I told Rebecca we could scratch that church off our list. The next Sunday, we went back to my church, but Rebecca again told me she wasn't happy there. We agreed to look for another church to try. While trying to find a church to attend regularly, reading the Bible that Rebecca had given me and some books on fatherhood motivated me to cut my pill popping to only Friday nights. I hadn't quit, but I did feel that I was taking determined steps to be and live in the right direction. One day in April of 2002, I was driving around with Cameron in his car seat and without realizing where I was, pulled to a stop in the Cornerstone parking lot. What are we doing, Daddy? He asked. I don't know, son. We are just sitting here. My cell phone rang just then, and when the call ended, I set out to finish errands and return home. I relayed to Rebecca about stopping in the church parking lot for no apparent reason, and that I felt that, based on what I had noticed take place in her life, I needed to find a Bible study I could belong to. The next day, I returned to Cornerstone, parked the car, walked into the church office, and told the lady at the front desk, I am looking for a Bible study. I later learned that one of the pastors heard me from his office. He, he recognized me as Shawn Michaels and was suspicious that I had come into the church as some kind of wrestling story for television. One pastor did come out of his office and introduced himself as Keith Parker. You can come to my Bible study, he offered in a thick southern draw. Keith gave me his address and told me to be there at 7.30 the next night. When I arrived at Keith's home a little before the start of the Bible study, his wife Priscilla and a couple of other people were there. Keith asked if I was a Christian. No, I said. I was raised Catholic, though. Have you ever been born again, he asked. No, I was just born the one time that I know of, I answered. Would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Keith asked. Yes, I would. Have you ever said the sinner's prayer, he asked. I spun through my mental Rolodex of Catholic prayers I'd said and didn't come across that one. Keith then led me in the prayer, and I wept like a baby. I could feel what I've heard others describe about the moment they accepted their salvations. It was like burdens were falling off of me and chains were being loosened. Up to that point, I had been sensing numerous changes taking place within me, but still I had felt like there was one thing, more thing I needed, even though I couldn't identify what it was. After that, saying that prayer, I knew that salvation was what had been missing. I drove home quickly after the Bible study, all excited to share what had happened with Rebecca. Oh my goodness, it's Jesus, I told her when I walked through the door. I confessed him as my Lord and Savior. Rebecca smiled and said she knew all along that Jesus was who I needed in my life. But you needed to come about it on your own, she added. I didn't want to force you. I didn't want to push you to this. Keith had told me at the Bible study that the next step for me would be to get baptized in water as a public proclamation that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. A couple weeks later, that took place. I came out of that water feeling different on the inside. One of the interesting things for me in taking that public step 
is that I was still Shawn Michaels to a lot of people. It was a humbling process for me to go through the baptism in front of people. And I believe that God honored my obedience to him. I've wondered whether being a public figure had kept me from humbling myself to take some of the obedient steps that I had been needing to take for many years. I'm thankful that I had a wife who was praying for me. Throughout the entire time leading up to the night, I went to that Bible study. Rebecca had never nagged me, but neither had she struck her head in the sand, oblivious to the circumstances. And much as she has every right to, to nag me into changing my ways, she hadn't. Instead, she showed me love. She let the transformation in her life serve as an example for me. And more importantly, she faithfully and persistently prayed for me. I'm telling you, that is a loving and godly wife. And I will forever be re grateful for Rebecca. There's chapter two from Wrestling for My Life by Shawn Michaels from the bottom up. And when I read that chapter, you know, it it's a very similar timeline. You know, Rebecca and Shawn got married much quicker than my mom and dad. For my mom and dad, it took three years for them to be in a relationship together, for Jim to get used to me and Matt as going to be his stepsons and now we've turned into his sons and we we were are forever grateful for him and uh when i read that it, it definitely brings a lot of great emotion to me because seeing sean go through that transformation seeing him recognize the problems in his life not knowing what to do but then realizing that cutting back, slacking off, becoming a trainer, developing a wrestling school, finding a church for his family to go to, then finding a Bible study to go to, accepting the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, you know, something that Rebecca had always wanted him to do, but ultimately she didn't push that on him because she wanted Sean to find that on his own, and Sean did. And that's a beautiful thing that happens. You know, as we continue to read this book, we'll, we'll get more into the wrestling career of Sean Michaels, but I, I love that part of the book because it really takes a look inside of the tough times that were going on in Sean's life. And, you know, Rebecca stayed faithful to him, and that, that just shows how wonderful of a person that she is and how much she do, did love Sean and how much, you know, Rebecca loved Cameron, their first son, and then loved Cheyenne later, and lo they both loved their children. You know, that, that reminds me a lot of my mom. You know, my mom is very faithful to not only her children, but she's very faithful to, to her husband and my dad, Jim. And, you know, when I see this book and I read this book, it reminds me of just how special that relationship between my mom and dad is. You know, mom and dad have been together for over 23 years now. 
They've been married for 20. And I thank the good Lord for every single day that they're together. You know, there's there's bumps and there's uh, bruises throughout the way. But the good Lord has blessed them to be together for so long. And I'm so thankful to have had such a stable family in my life. You know, since I was seven years old, well, yeah, seven years old, about to turn eight, I've had both a mother and a father that I can rely on. And still to this day, I can rely on them. And I thank the good Lord for that every single day. So when I'm, when I'm reading this book, I'm going to probably get emotional a lot, but because you know, Sean talks about his family and his faith a lot throughout this book. He talks about his wrestling career some as well, but he really talks about his family more in this book, and that's why I bought this book, because it was really good to to read it and to understand it and to know what he w had went through, not only in his wrestling career, but in his life away from the ring, becoming a father, you know, uh, becoming a better friend, becoming a better son, a better brother, all of that. You learn lessons, and that's a beautiful thing in this book. After this uh, chapter here, I'm going to look back at another memory that Matt and I have had together throughout our lives, and uh, you know, as it is his 33rd birthday coming up on Friday. I reminisce more so now on the mini card games that, that Matt and I have got to share together. We've both not always won. But one thing we can both take a lot of pride in is that we can go down to these different card games, whether they've been at our good friend Toe Cantrell's house or whether they've been at our good friend Joey Cantrell's house or at our cousin Jordan's or, or at Zach, our good friend Zach's or wherever they've been throughout the years. Matt and I have had a lot of fun playing cards with one another, helping each other understand the game more and better, but growing as individuals there. But when we're both out of the game, we talk about the hands that we won, hands that we've lost, and what we could do better. And that's one thing that I've always loved and appreciated about Matt is that you know, Matt has always looked over me as the older brother to, you know, be here for me as the younger brother, and I really appreciate that. I'm here to get help, give him advice too, because we, we've gone through different experiences in our lives. And being at those card games have uh, been so much fun through uh, for us throughout the years. And, uh, you know, more so now than ever, I miss Matt being at the card table with me. You know, he's not much there anymore because he's a full-time father now and has a full-time job and he doesn't get the time to come away and be at the card games anymore. But I reminisce a lot on the memories that we've shared throughout the years best feelings in the world for me and I, I don't know if he felt this way himself personally 
But the best feelings in the world for me was when we always finished first and second at Joey's and won the money. That was always the best times for me. I don't know if he ever felt that way, but for me, that was the best experiences because we could both celebrate. We can both enjoy the time that we got to spend together and win different hands and, and have such a good time together. And that's a true blessing. And I'm thankful to the Lord that Matt and I have got to experience and be in so many card games throughout the years. And I truly do love and appreciate both Matt and Jordan for helping to teach me how to play cards and become a better card player through watching them play cards on the computer through Full Tilt or Poker Stars or whatever site they use. Most of the time it was Full Tilt. And then us taking that knowledge and going to the card tables and playing with one another. I think the funnest times we had was taking pots off of one another because we were competitive. But when we took pots away from each other and took them against different opponents, we all applauded each other. You know, Matt, Jordan, and I always cheered each other on. And that was a beautiful thing, too. So, the many memories at card games. That's another great thing that I share with my older brother. A very emotional segment there, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back here on the ET Considers Everything podcast, we'll wrap up the podcast for this week with a look ahead to the weekend and high school football playoff action. Regional semifinal action in Southwest Virginia this weekend. State quarterfinal action in Northeast Tennessee and Southeast Kentucky coming up this weekend. Give you a look ahead to the NCAA football top 25 schedule for week 12 and the NFL schedule for week 11 as well. So still a lot more to get to here on the ET Considers Everything podcast for the weekend of Friday, November 18th through Sunday, November 20th, 2022. Stay with me, ladies and gentlemen. More of the ET Considers Everything podcast coming up after this quick break. We'll be right back right here on Anchor and on Spotify. Stay with me, ladies and gentlemen. You won't be disappointed. We're back here on the ET Considers Everything podcast for the weekend of Friday, November 18th through Sunday, November 20th, 2022. Getting set to close up shop on the podcast this week as we look ahead to the high school football playoff weekend. VHSL regional semifinals getting set to take place in Southwest Virginia this weekend. TSSAA high school football playoff state quarterfinal matchups in Northeast Tennessee and the KHSAA football state quarterfinals getting set to take place this weekend as well. We'll go over those matchups, give you a look ahead to the NCAA football top 25 matchups for week 12, and get you set for NFL week 11 action as well with the teams that are on the bye. And then we'll close up shop with a look at other headlines and give you a mini preview of the full gear pay-per-view which is getting set to take place on Saturday, November 19th from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, just across the river from New York City. 
So without further ado, let's go ahead and get going here with these matchups for the high school football playoffs for this weekend and then college and NFL. Starting off with the VHSL football playoffs, round two, region 1D semifinal matchups are as follows. Number five seed Holston, eight and three, or at number one seed Patrick Henry, nine and two. That game will be played at Emory and Henry on Friday, November 18th at 7 p.m. Number seven, Lebanon, seven and four, at the number three seed Grundy, eight and three. That game will be played on Saturday, November 19th at 1 p.m. Region 2D semifinal actions. Number four seed Gate City, eight and three, or at number one seed Graham, 11 and 0. That game will be played on Friday night, November 18th at 7 p.m. And on Saturday, November 19th at 1 p.m., it'll be number three seed Virginia High, 9-2. At the number two seed Ridgeview, 10-1. Should be an excellent contest there. 93.5 WXM will have the action there as Virginia High takes on Ridgeview in the Region 2D semifinal playoff matchup. Region 1C semifinal playoff matchups. This game will take place Friday, November 18th at 7 p.m., I believe. Number four seed Grayson County, nine and two. They'll be at number one seed Galax, who are eight and three. Also, Friday, November 18th at 7 p.m., number three seed Narrows, eight and three, will be at number two seed George With, eight and three, as well. Region 2C semifinals now. Number four seed Appomattox, seven and four, and the number one seed Radford, ten and one. That'll be Friday, November 18th at 7 p.m. I believe this game will take place on Saturday, November 19th at 1 p.m. Number three seed Glenver, 8-3, will be at number two seed Martinsville, 10-1. and one. A lot of those dates are set for right now. I will keep you posted on any date changes that took place if they do so. TWSAA football state quarterfinal matchups at this time. Local matchups in 1A. Number two seed Oliver Springs, seven and five, or at number one seed Coalfield, eleven and one. Two A, it's number two seed Monterey, ten and two, and number one seed York Institute, eight and four. Three A, it'll be number two seed Gatlinburg Pittman, eleven and one, at number one seed Alcoa, who are also eleven and one. Four A action, number one seed Greenville, twelve and zero. They'll be at number one seed Anderson County, who's twelve and zero as well. 5A, another matchup of undefeated teams. Number one seed, Daniel Boone, 12-0. They'll be at number one seed, Knox West, who are also 12-0. And in 6A, a matchup of nine and three teams here. Number one seed, Science Hill, 9-3. They'll be at number one seed, Maryville, who are also at 9-3. We have three local teams still left in the playoffs in our coverage area in Northeast Tennessee. Greenville, Daniel Boone, and Science Hill respectively, keeping an eye, of course, on um, Gatlinburg, Pittman, and Alcoa. It should be a very good game and much, much more. Taking a look ahead to the Kentucky High School Athletic Association football state quarterfinal matchups now at this time. In 1A, this is a game I would love to go watch on Friday night. Paintsville is at Pikeville. It's a great local rivalry anyway. In 1A action as well, Hazard will be at Raceland Worthington. 2A action now, Shelby Valley will be at Beechwood. Breathitt County will be at Lord Memorial. 3A action now, Ashland Blazer will be at Bell County. And in 4A, 
quarterfinal action. It'll be Johnson Central at Corbin. I think that'll be probably the best local action game of the weekend right there. Johnson Central and Corbin, two evenly matched teams as we get set for the state quarterfinals. In Tennessee and Kentucky, regional semifinals in Southwest Virginia coming up this week as well. Now let's take a look ahead to the NCAA football top 25 schedule for week 12. Lots of great matchups on the docket. This game taking place tonight at the time of this recording at 7.30 p.m. SMU 4 and 6 will be at number 21 Tulane, who are 8 and 2. Games to be played on Saturday, November 19th. Early kickoff time for this game in Orlando. Navy 3 and 7. They'll be at number 20 Central Florida who's 8-2. Noon kickoff times for these games. Illinois, who are at 6-4, will be at number 3, Michigan, who are 10-0. Austin P. they'll be at number 8, Alabama, 8-2. Way to go, Alabama. Get, getting you a real tough game before the Iron Bowl. Wow. We will have Louisiana Lafayette, 6-4, at number 19, Florida State, 7-3. 2 p.m. kickoff for this matchup, number 15, Kansas State, 7-3, at West Virginia, 4-6. 2.15 p.m. kickoff, early kickoff for this matchup, Oregon State, 7-3, number 23 in the nation, they'll be at Arizona State, who are at 7-3. 2.30 p.m. kickoff for this game, Boston College, 3-7, are at number 18, Notre Dame, who are 7-3. 3.30 p.m. kickoff for, for these games. Number one, Georgia undefeated at 10-0. Are in Lexington to take on the Kentucky Wildcats, who are 6-4. Number two, Ohio State, 10-0. Or Maryland, who's 5-5. Five five. Miami, Florida, 5-5. Five five. They'll be at number nine, Clemson, who are 9-1. Number 11, Penn State, 8-2. They'll be at Rutgers, who are 4-6. Number 24, NC State, 7-3. They'll be at Louisville, who are 5-5. Five five. The best non-ranked game of the week, in my opinion, Texas, 6-4, are at Kansas, who are also at 6-4. 4, 4 p.m. kickoff for this game. Number 25, Cincinnati, 8-2, at Temple, 3-7. We'll have a 5.30 p.m. kickoff for this game. Georgia Tech, 3-7. At number 13, North Carolina, who's 5-1. 7 p.m. kickoff for this game. Number 5, Tennessee, 9-1. They're at South Carolina, who are 4-6. 7.30 p.m. kickoff for these games. Number 14, Ole Miss, 8-2. Or at Arkansas, who are at 5-5. Five five. Number 22, Oklahoma State, 7-3. They'll be at Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane, 5-5. Five 7.30 five. p.m. kickoff for that game. 8 p.m. kickoff for this game here. The battle for Los Angeles, number 7 USC, 9-1. At number 16 UCLA, who are 7-3. 9 p.m. kickoff for this game. UAB, who enters the game, 2-8. At number 6 LSU, 8-2. We'll have uh, 10 p.m. kickoff for this game. Colorado, 1-9. At number 17 Washington, 8-2. And the late Pac-12 after dark game, it's a good one, out in Eugene, Oregon. Number 10, Utah, 8-2 at number 12, Oregon, who are also at 8-2. Some great games this weekend on the docket. Uh, the latest game 
is, in my opinion, the best one, number 10 Utah, number 12 Oregon. That's going to determine who makes it out of the Pac-12 North to the Pac-12 championship game. Tennessee looking to, to stay on the heels of TCU at number five. They're nine and one. Got an interesting game at South Carolina in Columbia, so should be a great game there. Number one, Georgia ten and zero at Kentucky six and four. You don't know what you're going to get with Kentucky each week. Uh, one week they play very very well. The next week they kind of fall on their face. I think this is an opportunity for them to make a statement a little bit. If not, if they're not going to win the game at the very least, be competitive against Georgia and definitely. Uh, Hang in the contest there for sure. Uh, battle for Los Angeles, that's always a great game. Number seven, USC. Number 16, UCLA. USC keeping their slim college football playoff hopes alive. We'll see how everything unfolds there in the battle for Los Angeles at the Rose Bowl. But those are the most notable games to me this week. Uh, we'll see how everything unfolds. Definitely looking forward to all of the college football playoff or all, all of the college football action, excuse me, coming up for this penultimate weekend of the regular season. That's truly hard to believe there, no doubt about it. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the NFL schedule for week number 11. Games to be played Thursday, November 17th through Monday, November 21st, 2022. Bye weeks for this week, Jacksonville 3-7, and seven, Miami 7-3. Seven and three. Seattle six and four, and Tampa Bay. Oh, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay five and five. Uh, Thursday night football for tonight, November seventeenth. It's a really good matchup at Lambeau Field tonight, as the Tennessee Titans six and three get the Green Bay Packers, who won their first game in their last six games this past Sunday, as they defeated the Dallas Cowboys. That'll be a eight fifteen p.m. kickoff on Amazon Prime Video. Games to be played on Sunday, November the 20th, starting at 1 p.m. Philadelphia off of their first loss of the year against Washington, 8-1. They'll be in Indianapolis, who are at 4-4-1, and a team that won under head coach Jeff Saturday in his first game as head coach of the team. Chicago, 3-7. They'll be in Atlanta, 4-6. Carolina, 3-7. They'll be at Baltimore, who are 6-3. Cleveland three and six. They'll be at Buffalo, who are six and three. Washington five and five. They'll be at Houston, who are one seven and one. Very interesting game here. The New York Jets six and three at the New England Patriots five and four. You could call that a former Bill Belichick bowl, although he only coached the New York Jets for a total of one day. Los Angeles Rams three and six. They'll be at the New Orleans Saints, who are three and seven. Detroit three and six. They'll be at the New York Giants, who are seven and two. Four oh five PM kickoff here. Ugh, this is gonna be a rough one to watch. Not for Broncos and Raiders fans, but for the rest of the uh, nation. Las Vegas Raiders two and eight are at Denver three and six. Four twenty five PM kickoff for these games here. Very intriguing matchup here. Two teams that I have a strong dislike for. Dallas six and three. At Minnesota, 8-1. Sadly, I'll have to be rooting for the Dallas Cowboys in that game. Cincinnati, 5-4. and four, Pittsburgh, 3-6. and 8.20 p.m. kickoff for these games, for this game on Sunday Night Football. Kansas City, 7-2 at the Los Angeles Chargers, who are 5-4. And, and Monday Night Football this week. San Francisco 49ers 
just back over 500 at five and four. They'll beat the Arizona Cardinals, who are at four and six. To me, the most intriguing game on the uh, calendar in the 1 p.m. window on Sunday is the matchup between the New York Jets and the New England Patriots. That's really for positioning there behind Buffalo to be the uh, second place team in the AFC East at this point and uh, should be a very interesting game. New England definitely looking to get back up to six and four and be right back in the thick of the playoff hunt. I think Philadelphia eight and one and Indianapolis four, four and one. That's an underrated game there as well. Indy uh, definitely looking to get back over 500 for the first time since early October and Philadelphia looking to avoid back-to-back -back losses. That should be an interesting matchup there. The best uh, game in the late window, the 4.05 or 4.25 p.m. window, of course, is the Dallas Cowboys 6-3, the Minnesota Vikings 8-1. You know, Dallas, they had a tough luck loss last week at Green Bay. Here's an interesting stat for you, okay? This is the first time that the Dallas Cowboys with a 14-point lead or more in the fourth quarter or later, lost a game. Yes, that is a fact. They were 159-0 all-time in those situations before the Green Bay Packers stormed back to get 14 points in the later stages of the fourth quarter and kicked the field goal to win in overtime. It's an unbelievable stat. John South gave me that stat, so I want to thank him for that unbelievable there I, I couldn't believe that when i heard it but uh you know dallas looking to stay right up there with the new york giants at this point uh, in terms of being the second best team in the nfc east right now um, we'll see how everything goes there minnesota at this point they could really just play 500 football the rest of the way win the nfc north very easily you know green bay it's the closest team to them at four and six. And, uh, you know, Green Bay lost to Minnesota the first week of the season, 23 to seven. And both teams have been going in opposite directions since, you know, Minnesota has the eight and one record Green Bay four and six. And it's a tough thing to see a divisional rival be up at the top instead of my team. But I got to give the Minnesota Vikings a lot of credit. You know, that team with Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook and uh, Jefferson at the wide receiver position, getting Hawkinson at tight end, very strong defense, very good special teams unit. You know, I give Minnesota a lot of credit, and them and Philadelphia are the two top teams in the NFC right now. Philadelphia has the tiebreaker over Minnesota at this point due to the head-to-head -head victory. But let's say, for example, Minnesota beats Dallas and Indianapolis somehow beats Philadelphia this weekend. That'll move Minnesota to the number one overall seed. But, you know, I really think, and this is something that we talked about um, while I was at UVA Wise this week covering basketball. You know, Philadelphia, they're a good football team. But if you can control the clock and run the football on them, you can beat them. And that's exactly what Washington done to them the other night. They controlled the clock, ran 50 total run plays, and had, I believe, 17 or 18 third down plays, John South was telling me about too. And 
it, it really was unbelievable to see how Washington won that ball game, and they deserved it. They're five and five. Washington at this point, they they have a shot to come back into the wild card hunt for sure. They have a better record than the Packers. They've got the head to head over the Packers, and you know Green Bay at this point, I feel like if they're going to make the playoffs, and I don't see them making the playoffs at this point, they're going to have to go either ten and seven or eleven and six, and that means they're going to have to win about the remainder of their games a tough task for sure you gotta play the vikings you gotta play the titans on thursday night football tonight at the time of this recording gonna be a tough road for the packers but i told my mom and i've told my friends i said if green bay can get back to five, around 500 whether it's eight eight and nine or nine and eight i'll be very happy with the season because it's been a tough go for the packers this year injury-wise at the wide receiver position. And uh, I hope to see Christian Watson continue to emerge to be one of our top targets along with Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins when, they, when he's healthy. And they continue to use Robert Tanyan in the pass game at the tight end position and use the running backs with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So a lot of fun games coming up this weekend across the board. High school football playoffs in southwest virginia regional semifinals coming up this week weekend northeast tennessee and southeast kentucky state quarterfinals getting set to take place have uh ncaa football top 25 scheduled for week 12 ncaa and the nfl scheduled for week 11 coming up this weekend as well so it should be a lot of fun definitely looking forward to that a lot of great football to keep an eye on this weekend as well along with a lot of great basket, college basketball games that take place this weekend as well. Had the Champions Classic this past Tuesday night, and we'll go over that here. Michigan State ultimately defeated Kentucky in double overtime on Tuesday night in a game that ended just before 11 o'clock. Very good game between Michigan State and Kentucky. Michigan State, of course, was coming off of the one-point loss in the Armed Forces Classic on the ship deck of the USS Abraham Lincoln in San Diego this past Friday night. And they get the victory on Tuesday at the Champions Classic over Kentucky. And love hearing this. Anytime Duke gets beat, definitely is a great time. Uh, Kansas defeats Duke in game two of that Champions Classic. So um, for a North Carolina fan, I don't think I... Could have had a better night than this past Tuesday with both Kentucky and Duke going down, to say the least. Now let's take a look at the other headlines uh, across the sports landscape. Uh, from the PTI podcast, Ben Simmons' performance against the Kings in a loss is a feat to definitely behold. And if a 12-team college football playoff would be better this year, Tony and Mike break that down. Israel Adesanya was arrested on Wednesday at the JFK Airport in New York for possession of metal knuckles. Uh, definitely an interesting feat there. Kyrie Irving is nearing a completion of the process needed for a return to play. He could rejoin the Brooklyn Nets as soon as Sunday. That's according to ESPN NBA analyst Adrian Wojnarowski. Sandy Alcantara of the Miami Marlins becomes the first Miami Marlins player 
to win the National League Cy Young Award. He led the MLB in innings pitched with 228 and two-thirds innings and had six complete games. Also led the Marlins team in total team victories with 19. Transfer talk. Arsenal, Manchester City, Newcastle United, and Paris Saint-Germain are pursuing Shakhtar Dantesk Mikhailo Mudrak, according to The Athletic. From the Around the Horn podcast, Duke loses to Kansas and Michigan State, defeats Kentucky in double overtime, and the Nets fall to the Kings in the NBA play. All ACC football teams to honor Virginia shooting victims with helmet decals and a moment of silence at football games across the conference this weekend. That was a sad uh, news story to get there on Tuesday as I got to campus. Three University of Virginia football players were gunned down in Charlottesville this past weekend, and they were supposed to play a game against Coastal Carolina and the university has decided to cancel that game this weekend. Not sure if they're going to be playing the rest of the season. My guess is is that Virginia and Virginia Tech will play in the final game to show unity across the state, but I'll keep you posted on that as that game gets near. 2023 recruiting rankings, South Carolina, Notre Dame, and Southern California have made the big splashes in the women's early signing period so far. Full top 25 are available in the ESPN app. Cristiano Ronaldo says he almost joined Manchester City. Cristiano Ronaldo said he was close to signing for rivals Manchester City last year, but Alice Ferguson asked him not to out of respect. The U.S. men's national team, big long shot to win World Cup at sports books across Las Vegas and across the sports landscape. Brazil are the favorites right now, followed by Argentina and France overall. The World Cup gets underway this weekend in earnest. Men's recruiting rankings for college basketball. A familiar face takes over at number one. While two Pac-12 teams make splashes in early signing period, that's by Borzolo and Ben Cardi. That is from the ESPN app. FIFA has launched a service to crack down on hate speech and discrimination online during the World Cup, not only between teams and players and coaches, but between fans around the world as well. I think that's a great move there for sure. UFC's Iller Latifi suspended for three months by the NSAC for not disclosing an illness prior to his October 1st fight. Targeting World Cup records, which marks could be broken in Qatar, how Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, and Harry Kane can make history. That's by Chris Wright. NBA power rankings at this point, how the Celtics have won seven straight games, can Ice Trey and the Hawks keep up? Lopsided losses have dropped the Bucks down the list. See where all 30 teams stack up in the ESPN app. Fixing the Packers offense at this point. It's a tough, tough feat to, to do, but they uh, definitely had some great uh, shows of splash there on Sunday against Dallas. Don't be surprised to see one new wrinkle 
on Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans. That's by Graziano and Fowler as they examine NFL storylines across the NFL landscape. That's on the ESPN app. The Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast. Many Kimes breakdowns on journeyman quarterback, quarterbacks and the ramification of the NFL and the LeBronizing of Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's the right thing to do to Patrick Mahomes at this point in his career because it's early, but, you know, that's what they'll do. Malcolm Brogdon and Marcus Smart were out for Wednesday's game for the Boston Celtics against the Atlanta Hawks. Brogdon had a hamstring injury and Marcus Smart had an ankle injury. Right now, I'm game. Two-time WNBA MVP Candace Parker and multi-time WNBA champion says that she intends to return to the Chicago Sky for a 16th season. That's according to The Athletic. The MMA pound-for-pound rankings. Former champion falls after consecutive losses. Zhang Weili moves up. And Alex Pereira is still not in the top 10. Who is up at the top of the list? Find out in the ESPN app. Updated Heisman watch. New name sneak into race. Odds for top five candidates and Heisman movements from this past week. C.J. Stroud and um, and Hooker are among the favorites for the Heisman Trophy at this point of the year. But we have many other names that can definitely throw their name into the list among the top candidates from the top teams. Novak Djokovic has been cleared for the Australian Open. Novak Djokovic confirms he has been granted a visa to enter Australia and he will play in the 2023 Australian Open. Looking forward to talking to my good friend and a very good tennis fan that I know, Matt Hill, about that later on this weekend. World Cup Rank, breaking down who are the best 50 players in Qatar across all the nations. University of Virginia has canceled their home football finale. As I mentioned earlier, Virginia cancels their Saturday football contest against Coastal Carolina in wake of shooting that left three players dead this past Monday. Definitely a sad thing there to report on. The Seattle Mariners are acquiring all-star outfielder Teoscar Hernandez from the Toronto Blue Jays. That is from Jeff Passan. Tony Stewart wins battle with Gene Haas over 2023 lineup by giving Ryan Priest a shot with a top-tier cup organization. I think that's a good move for Stewart Haas Racing. Ultimately, you want to diversify your team by having a good mixture of veterans and young stars at the helm. Ryan Priest, definitely one of the best young stars in NASCAR. College football playoff rankings analysis. Who's justifiably angry? Week 12 could sway the committee and compare the resumes. The top five stayed the same. It was Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Then you had TCU and Tennessee in the top five. A new team up at number six, that is LSU. And uh, definitely a lot of movement elsewhere. Oregon followed out of the top um six to move down all the way to 10th and uh, UCLA fell down all the way from number 11 all the way down to 17 in the rankings so definitely a lot of uh, movement there 
Stephen A. Smith explains why he believes the Packers have turned the corner after their victory against Dallas. Uh, definitely an interesting thing. Maction delivers. Toledo scores with less than a minute to play, only to watch Bowling Green win it with nine seconds left in a high-scoring affair. North Carolina defeats Webb by a final score of 72-66 on Tuesday night. Love had 20 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists for the Tar Heels, while Selden had 21 points, 4 rebounds, and 1 assist to lead Webb. Who's guarding this guy? Malik Hall's second wide-open game-tying dunk forces a second overtime where Michigan State prevailed 86-77 over number 4 Kentucky. New York City Football Club's new stadium club to build a soccer stadium in Queens. That's according to Routers. New York City Football Club will play, pay around $800 million to have the stadium built. That's according to the New York Times. L. Ellis can't quite beat the buzzer with this layup as Appalachian State sends Louisville to an 0-3 start. Appalachian State defeats Louisville by a final score of 61-60. to A judge has ordered the University of Virginia student accused of killing three members of football team to be held without bond at this point. There's you look at the major sports headlines across the uh, country from this past weekend and around the world with the World Cup getting set to take place starting coming up this weekend. And... Uh, should be a lot of fun for wrestling fans this weekend as All Elite Wrestling will present full gear from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Main event will be John Moxley defending the AEW World Championship against MJF, the Casino Battle Royale winner, winner from the All Out pay-per-view. Tony Storm will defend her AEW interim women's World Championship against longtime rival Jamie Hayter. Should be a fantastic matchup there. In her first match back in nearly five years, it'll be Soraya taking on Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, in a matchup between two of my favorite women across all of professional wrestling. I'm definitely looking forward to that matchup and definitely will be emotional watching that coming up on Saturday night for sure. We'll have a fatal four-way match for the Ring of Honor World Championship as Chris Jericho, with his eight different World Championship win, will defend the ROH World Championship against Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and Sammy Guevara. That should be a fantastic matchup there. Looking forward to seeing how that one unfolds as well. We'll have Swerve in our glory. They will be taking on the team known as the Acclaimed for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. And we'll have much, much more to come from the AEW Full Gear pay-per-view coming up on Saturday, November 19th. I'm looking forward to all of those matches in particular. Um, we've got a great card lined up, and uh, AEW has definitely, definitely uh, turned the corner especially since their rough incident that took place with CM Punk at the post-AEW media scrum and in the locker room after that event. Um, I'm glad AEW's cleaning up their act and 
We'll have to wait and see what direction they go in with the world championship, the women's championship, the world tag team titles. You know, Orange Cassidy now is the AEW All-Atlantic champion. Um, Death Triangle are the AEW Trios tag team champions. So I like those moves. Um, Jade Cargill remains the TBS champion. And uh, got a lot of great championships in AEW. And they know how to space them out in terms of making them important. Um, but the match I'm really looking forward to the most is, I would say, the matchup between Dr. Britt Baker and Soraya for the women. But I'm really looking forward to this fatal four-way match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. That's nothing against the AEW World Title match. MJF and uh, John Moxley, they'll have a fantastic match against each other. This fatal four-way matchup for the Ring of Honor World Championship with Chris Jericho defending against Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, Sammy Guevara, that is going to be one hell of a matchup, and I know that the fans will be looking forward to that matchup. Definitely, I would say the most, alongside with me, with the Soraya-Dr. Britt Baker match and the MJF and... Uh, John Moxley World Championship match for the AEW World Title. So definitely a lot to look forward to on Saturday night for AEW Full Gear. Looking forward to watching that event with my great friends Justin Phillips and Mikey Reedy. Of course, fellow Oblivion members. And, uh, you know, Clay Mercer and I, uh, J.D. Mercer, of course, J.D. Phillips. A lot of different names for him now, but. We have a great history as friends, and Mikey Reedy and I have a great history as friends as well. All three of us, alongside Logan Price, made Oblivion. And we're thankful for all the memories that we've had through SVBW and look forward to the revival coming up of it, in it in 2023. I have an inside scoop to break here on the ET Considers Everything podcast. I've made it known to Logan Price and J.D. Mercer. I have made it known to Mikey Reedy now. He already knows this, but I'm going to go ahead and announce it here on the podcast as well. I've made the decision as the voice of SVBW and now going to be a head of our uh, talent relations, I guess, and all of that in terms of being the SVBW general manager. Mikey Reedy will be inducted into the SVBW Hall of Fame for the class of 2023. And when the time comes, when the video is to be made, I would like for uh, J.D. Mercer to be the one to induct Mikey Reedy because uh, Logan and Mikey inducted me and Logan inducted J.D. Mercer and I inducted Logan. I feel like it's only right that J.D. Mercer gets the opportunity to induct Mikey Reiki. So definitely looking forward to that and looking forward to that trip coming up on Saturday after UVA Wise hosts the Newport News Apprentice School Builders coming up on Saturday afternoon. I'll have a full rundown of that game and other games across UVA Wise basketball from this past weekend and this past week next week on the podcast. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this edition of the ET Considers Everything podcast for the weekend of Friday, November the 18th through Sunday, November 20th, 2022. If y'all don't mind, share this podcast with your friends. I'm on 
Anchor, and I'm on Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at Bubba Ty One Capital B and T. You can follow the show on Twitter at ET Considers Capital E T and C. And my personal Facebook account, Eric Tyler Mullins. I'm on there as well. So those are my social media platforms. And I don't have an Instagram or a Snapchat or a TikTok or anything like that. Facebook and Twitter is no doubt enough for me. I'm old school when it comes to social media, and I'm just fine with that. So definitely appreciate everybody for their support this week. I want to thank everybody for uh, taking the time out to send me well wishes on November 16th. That's always a rough anniversary for me. But everybody that took the time to send me those well wishes, I really appreciate it. Um, my brother's 33rd birthday coming up on Friday. I want to once again wish him a happy birthday here at the pod, at the end of the podcast. My older brother means a lot to me. You know, he is 20 months older than me. But really, him and I have been um, the best of friends in our adult years. And I'm so very thankful for that because we've got the opportunity to grow. We've got the opportunity to enjoy a lot of things together. Be on the opposite ends of things sometimes, but still have that enjoyment to where we could talk to one another and love one another. And that means so much to me. You know, my older brother, Beth, and... Their three boys, Tristan, Grayson, and Lynn, you know, those three boys, my nephews, are, are my pride and joy. And I hope I'm as good of an uncle as I can be to them. And uh, I want to thank Matt so much for just being a wonderful older brother, always having my back and looking out for me. And whenever I talk to him, he always reaches out. And that means so very much. I love you so much, Matt, and I hope that I've been as good of a younger brother to you as you've been an older brother to me. And I look forward to many more more years together with one another, with our families. No doubt about that. So, ladies and gentlemen, until next time here on the ET Considers Everything podcast, my name is ET Eric Tyler Mullins. Hope you all have a wonderful day or evening whenever you listen to this podcast. And I will catch you all again next time right here on the ET Considers Everything podcast. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And I'll catch you all again next week, right here on the ET Considers Everything podcast.